Welcome to episode 296 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today's show is coming from the Bat Cave, and um, we are freestyling. Well, hello, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. So freestyling as opposed to what? Well, freestyling as opposed to being very organized. Are we organized normally? I was not aware. I was very organized last time. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did have some notes. That's right. I guess my, my constant ribbing had finally spurred you to, act, to action, right? Just for that one show. So, um, so I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, last time we did this at Cross Campus, but you said you, you canceled your membership there. What, what was that about? Oh, right, right. So, so basically, I got the reason why I got the Cross Campus membership was because the theory was that to get away from the madness of the house... Because you and your wife moved in with her sister and her husband and their babies. So two two families, two babies. Yeah. Right. And um, you know what? When I go, I, I, I did go into cross camp. When I went into cross campus, I could really power through the work. But the truth was, like, two months later, I just didn't really go there that much, even though I probably should have. And I didn't, I didn't think it was fair to just spend the 350 I really would like it available to me. But I don't think it's fair for my company to spend three fifty a month for me to just go in like once a month or something, you know. Why aren't you going in? Do you think? <sighs> You're just in a routine, like as as a as a remote worker, you know. I've, I'm in a routine that's like you know ten years old. Like it's just easy to basically get up and have breakfast and start working on my desk. It's all set up. I, I guess I'm making more of a point of just saying to G, look. Just, just stay downstairs. Like when I'm working, because what happens sometimes? I'm like, I'm working. I'm like in the zone, and then I turn around, and there is like two babies, two mothers, in, just playing on the floor in the in like in the just behind me, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my god. So she's she's agreed to They're, give you some space, somewhat, somewhat. <laughs> yeah. No, you mean in other words, not really. No, no, no. A little more, a better, better than before. I mean, but you know, I've been cranking work out, so it's fine. I like I said, I just. I really didn't think it was fair to uh, to just um, make that, you know, to build a company for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just curious because you were really excited about it last time. Yeah. I would like to, I would have liked to have stayed stayed on it, but I, I don't didn't feel good about it. Really? Okay. Mm. It's like $350 is not a lot of money, even if you only did it every once in a while. Well, but like what? If it's like once every... If it's once a month, yeah, I mean, you know, but that was just like one bad month. You might, you might get more motivated and go once, start going once or twice a week, again. I just, I we'll don't. see, we'll see. I mean, well, not any now. You won't see because you canceled it. <laughs> I'll just come down here. Look, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll pay you twenty five bucks anytime I'm going to come here and work. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough space for that, and I wouldn't uh, get uh, anything done. All right. You know, okay. So I, I want one thing that 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 popped up that I, I've been meaning to talk to you about the last couple of weeks is. Yeah. Did you see that article? It was like about three weeks ago about the. It was like a follow up study. All those people who were on the Biggest Loser. I've I've that's one of the links that I've got. I figured. To, okay. To, to so let's, so so what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are well. Summarize the finding. The finding was well. Basically, the the finding is is that um. So for, certainly for the Biggest Loser people, the people who went through that that path, six years later. They uh, kind of looked at the data and saw that, you know, the, a very large percentage of them had gained weight over... over All but one yeah. had gained at least 70% of their weight back. Well, but some of them, a significant portion, were heavier. Oh, were they even heavier? Were, yeah. were even heavier than yeah. they went in. But that's not, the, that's not really the interesting well, part. Well, yeah, the point is, is that 
basically the, the thesis is is that it your body it just is trained to to like really hold on to the weight well like, you know really. actually actually the, the the i think the scary part was that they had a permanent bmr destruction of 500 calories so they now burn 500 calories less than they would at the weight they're currently at yeah they totally they really it looks like permanently screwed up their metabolism so by doing this severe dieting thing and I, it may be severe dieting, it may be severe dieting combined with severe exercise, totally screwed up their metabolism. So now they have this 500 calorie penalty. So where their, ba- their BMR might have been 2,000 calories a day, now it's 1,500. I mean, so they have to eat 500 calories less than they used to. Yeah. To keep, I mean, that is a huge uh, it's ridiculous. life penalty. I, I really wonder, um, is there a way of reversing that? Well, they haven't seen it. I mean, those people have been, you know... I mean, I don't know. That, that was really scary. I mean, it's, so I've, I've, I mean, I've always heard that, you know, you can damage your metabolism. You can screw up metabolism by restricting it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was as permanent as that. It seemed like pseudoscience, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, the problem, with, the problem with a lot, I would say the vast majority of, of science in dieting and in, in, in most nutrition science exercise science it's very spotty yeah this is not a lot of it so there's just a lot of extrapolation about all kind of things that nobody really knows you know all of debates about you know red meat versus white meat versus veganism versus paleo versus this and carbon they just yeah there's a lot of anecdotal evidence there's a lot of um very small short-term trials a very short number of individuals but you know it, it, to call it anything remotely close to conclusive would be a, a, a joke it's yeah. not and so and so that's why there's just so much confusion out there nobody really knows for sure and even the even the people who are the most up-to-date on the science can say well this kind of indicates this and this may indicate that and under certain circumstances blah but i mean it's just hard and you know it, aside from the lack of of uh, of just you know the, enough research the human bodies are incredibly complex and it may be the case that uh, people are just uh different their bodies respond differently and our bodies respond differently not just genetically but at, t- at times yeah. of life whether you're male or female whether you are you know x y or z i mean who knows so it's just it's it's just a really there's so many different things did i tell you that i got um 23 and me done no yeah i got that and basically everything came back um you're gonna you're uh, gonna die no no everything came back like that you know nothing no no markers although there was like 27 reports but the most interesting and the funniest report it just had this headline likely not a sprinter (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's actually true so it's actually even in my dna (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) likely not a sprinter which but and but that's the one that's looking at the um Basically, the the sprinters and the and the power lifters have like double double slow twitch or whatever it is, or double fast twitch. Quick twitch twitch. Yeah, that's what it's called. Twitch, yeah, twitch, yeah. Type was it type two or type two A or whatever. Right, muscle fibers. Yeah, you're not. No one ever accused you of being fast. Right. (laughs) So that's kind of (laughs) one thing I say about JV. Boy, that guy is fast. What else? Um, I told you I was like walking every day right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. And I, I'm back on the super slow uh, weight thing. Are you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad to be back on that. Actually. What? I, yeah. I really heard anything about that. that. So what? 
So you do that once a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it with a different a different vendor. I'm, I found um, another a crowd called um, the Perfect Workout. Why did you change? Um, I just wanted to just try someone else. Really? Hmm. Was it any less expensive or? It's, it is slightly less expensive actually. But the other thing about it is, is that it's it's basically a kind of it's not a franchise, but it's owned by a single person. But they have like fifty or sixty of them in the states. Oh. So it's much more professional. So the other one was just, you know, privately owned. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is very uh, professional and they've got, they've got a lot more machines. Okay. And so I'm, I'm actually finding it really good. And the trainers are super professional as well. So that's kind of a nice. So feel. you do a full body yeah. workout. Do you do one set of every exercise? Well, they do different exercises each week, slightly different exercises, but they try and do a full body workout. So, but I mean, it, so is, it is the 20 minutes. But is it one set? So it's like one set of like leg press or something. Yeah. Or do you do yeah. multiple sets? No, you, you, well, you, you basically do one set, but very slowly until you've reached complete exhaustion. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I mean, I've just, I've been going three weeks and I'm already feeling like infinitely better. Like That's I good. will not stop this. This is, this brings you functional health. I'm not, it, I'm not saying it makes you ripped or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. but it definitely brings you functional health. Like in a way that is just, it feels good to be alive, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, at the very least strength training will prevent the muscle loss that happens every year after the age of right. 32 you learn you lose muscle density and muscle mass so and it accelerates it's not just a linear you just so it's like the older you get the weaker you get and right and it gets to the point well like yeah you know in your 30 you know between like say 30 and 45 maybe you can't it may not be noticeable and accepted like in the gym or something. But once you start getting to your fifties and stuff, you start losing muscles in, in your legs and people, are, you know, walking upstairs and lifting things. Like it's just your functional, you know, real life strength starts yeah. to become noticeably oh, less. So, um, and that's one of the things that determines whether somebody is becomes frail. I mean, that's what even, frail, even, frailness even just, is, uh, is. Lack like of strength. Playing with Jack, up. like throwing him around and stuff. Like it's easier now, just even three weeks into it. It just makes an instant difference. Well, so interestingly, I um, so I've been uh, you know, I since the Operation Superhero, mm-hmm. that was you know a year and a half ago, basically. Yeah. Um, I started that in July of two thousand fourteen. Injured myself, lost twenty pounds, added about nine inches to my vertical jump, um, and. That happened between like June, mid-June to I think I kind of peaked around uh, late November, and then I hurt myself both. I hurt an elbow, an elbow a tendon on my elbow, and a, and an attachment ligament in my groin, and that just completely knocked me out. I couldn't yeah, lift. I couldn't lift, I couldn't lift upper body or lower body, hmm. and it literally took a year for both injuries to heal. An entire year. I mean, because I kept trying to like, okay, let me see, let me just test it out, see, and I'd be like, nope. Couldn't do it. I couldn't even bench press, you know, 115 pounds. Like, Were you breaking like, it every time you did that? Were you like pushing it back whenever you do one of those tests? What do you mean? Do you think that's why it took a year to heal? Because No, no, no. It was very that. light. I was like, all right, let's just go. And, and well, I could feel it in my groin, mm, you know, mm. but then once once the groin started to feel a little better, I was like, all right, let me just see if I can do some body squats. Okay, now I'm going to put a bar. Now I put 135 pounds. Just do something light. Yeah. And then I could still feel it. And I'm like, oh, no, if I do this, if I push it, it's going to hurt. You know, and same with the elbow. I'd go, let me just try and do something. And so I kind of, um, but then around, I don't know, kind of kind of in the late fall a little bit, a little bit in the winter, I started feeling a little better, you know, and kind of starting to get in stuff. But one thing I noticed is I just, you know, because Phil had moved out here 
over this past summer and he had been lifting weights. And so we were, you know, both kind of excited about doing it and working out together. And then, um, but I just, I, you know, I, I got first part, I couldn't, but then, then I started doing it, but I just kept kind of re-injuring myself in other ways with mm. free weights. And I think part of the reason is that I probably try and always tend to push it a little bit too hard. Mm. You know, I always get a little excited. It's like, okay, I'm going to go heavy. You know, it's rather than doing three sets of 10 or and just trying to go for some burn. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, try and put on a lot of strength and all this kind of stuff. And I'd tweak my shoulder and then I'd be like, you know, a month out or like I were doing deadlifts and like ah, my back and I'm off for two more weeks. And it was just like a constant frustration. Um, so I just, you know, and I, a buddy of mine who's I knew from college, I just saw him recently and he's, he's in great shape, looks great, you know, um, and he's, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I used to do, do the squats and stuff, but I was like, my knees were always hurt. So I said, screw So he says, I'm doing this kind of thing called the Murph, which is like this CrossFit kind of workout where you do mm-hmm. like 100, what was it, like 200, 300 push-ups and 400 sit-ups and 200 body squats and, you know, and you run a mile, you know, this, this kind of thing. You know, probably kind of an intense So bo- thing. body weight type stuff rather than Yeah, weights. and pull, it was like pull-ups, push-ups, body squats, and like a, and a run or something. Mm. And I, I can't remember exactly. It's called the Murph. I mean, you can just Google it or whatever. But and he, he looked great, you know. And I and we were kind of talking about it. And I, and I, you know, I was telling him how I was frustrated with being injured. And he's like, "Ah, you know, maybe you should just do something like this." He's, you know, rather than like trying to bench press three hundred fifteen pounds, he's like, "You know what? Screw it. Like, just look, be fit. Look, you'll look good. Mm, you mm-hmm. know, you'll feel good." And I said, "You know," I, and I, as so I thought, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll is I'll do the machines as opposed to free weights. Cause I've noticed when I do the machines, I don't get hurt. Yeah. It's just, you know, because you're kind of locked in a position that's ergonomically correct. It's, you're not tempted to be like, that's one know, of the big to... things that they say about, you know, the whole super slow thing is because it's machines. It's yeah. You're not going to, especially going super slow. You're not yeah. going to go. I mean, that's like infinitely safe. But, uh, so I, just, I told Phil, I said, you know, I'm going to give it like two months. I'm just gonna stay off the free weights. I'm just going to, you know, at the, the Equinox gym where we belong is really nice and they have all the, the nicest mm. machines. So it's like, well, I mean, these are like the top end machines. So I, I'll give them a shot. And I always kind of look down on them. I was always kind of like, well, these are, uh, you know, you can't really get strong. Or you can't really, you know, make a lot of progress on this kind of thing. But, you know, I'll just give a shot. And so I, I, I've just done a few days on it, you know, where I actually, and, and the two cool things I noticed, first of all, I can blow through a workout in a half a third of the time. Like mm. I can, I can do four sets at four exercises in 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes tops, you know, 20, whereas opposed to like, if, if when I'm doing free weights, it's, it's like between 45 minutes and an hour. And why is that? What was the difference? It's just cause you gotta go and you gotta, there's always some guy using the weights you want to get or someone in the squat rack and you gotta wait 20 minutes for them to finish up. And you're like kind of wandering around like, okay, what can I do? There's a dude over there and there's this girl looking at using this thing and you're just kind of waiting around. Hmm. And then you got to load the weights on and load them up. It's just, just because it's of that. not just ready to go, right? No, you know, you know, it's not like it's your own personal gems. You're waiting. The machines, there's fewer people on it, and they're always just a bunch of machines around. You're like, you know what? I have four machines to do. I can do them in any order. Yeah. There's a guy over there doing the curl machine. I'll just go and do the whatever, you know. So you blow through more quickly, and that was one thing I've been thinking about too. Is I was like, you know, I'm, I'm at the gym forever, and I keep feeling like I got to get home because it's like. I don't, I'm, I'm not around my kids as much as I want in the evening sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, cause if I take off at six and I, you know, come back at seven forty five or eight o'clock or something, 
it's like, I, you know, the kids are ready to be put in bed and I didn't get any time with them. Hmm. And a lot of times I'm working or, or working a lot right to the point I'm leaving. So it's like, I, I want to condense my workouts, make them more efficient, but I want to quit getting injured, you know, just yeah. tired. Because it's like, great, you know, if I could bench 275 pounds, okay, that's great and all, but if I'm hurt like three quarters of the time, you know, if I, my shoulders hurt and I can't go through a football with Colby because I'm hurt, it's like, it's not really a so, good... So you were saying that that was the first of all. What's the second of all? So yeah, well, so for, the first was not being hurt. The second was being more efficient, shorter. Yeah. And anyway, I've done, I did two, two workouts, two or three workouts, and I was like, well, I was sore as crap. I mean, I was able to make myself... Like, so you mean your muscles were... Yeah, and I was like, holy crap, you know? Because, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I pushed it, because I've done machines plenty in the past, but a lot of times I just sort of, like, half-assed it. And, like, this is sort of like, I'm not really lifting seriously, I'm just going to do a few machines after I play basketball. Right, right. But I said, all right, let me just do this as if I was really, like, this was the main point, and I'm going to try and really go to failure and do a, do a correct form, but really do it, and... Yeah, I was pretty damn sore. Yeah, I was pretty good. damn sore. So okay. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. Um, maybe I'll make it like my summer nice. workout, and I'll kind of see if I can if I can keep from injuring myself, and and I'm making progress in terms of like you know I feel like I'm getting I'm strong and I'm putting on a little muscle and stuff. So you thinking good. back to Project Superhero? Gonna try for the dunk again? <sighs> you know, I'd like to. I would really like to. So I kind of want to build up to it. I, the only the only freeway thing I'm thinking I'm going to continue to do is squats, right? Because it's such an incredible. But isn't that the one that like got you hurt your groin? Uh, no, it was Bulgarian split squats, which is like a little different thing. It was a one. Okay. It's a unilateral one legged. It's the whole thing. But okay, yeah. So I kind of want to. I mean, I do want to do it. In fact, it's funny. So yesterday was Izzy's tenth birthday. Yeah. Um, and so we went. Um, to the, our family, we took the family, went to, um, Sky Zone, which was all these trampoline places. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, they have, you know, different parts of LA and there's, and they have one where it's just a, a couple basketball hoops. One's like an eight foot and one's a 10 foot hoop. So you can go and bounce on trampoline and try and dunk it. People get in line. There's like two lines and, you know, and everybody thinks they're going to be able to dunk, but it's a lot harder than it looks because you got to get you know, 10 feet in the air yeah. and most people it get, you had to get your timing right. And then you got to not lose your nerve. Cause you get up there and you're like, Whoa, Jesus, you know, <laughs> and like you kind of freak out a little bit cause you're getting way up there and you're like, if I try and dunk and I miss through my balance <clears> off, I'm going to land awkwardly. You know, it's, it's scarier than it's, than it seems. And I tried it a year and a half ago and I could, I got in a couple of dunks at the end. I was with these two guys who were like just out of college and one was like a, division one high jumper oh wow <laughs> and another guy was similar to that and they were they were really dunking well and i was like oh man that was impressive so this time i get up there and i'm like and the first one or two or three times i get pretty close and then i kind of figure it out and i start throwing down like these really like monster dunks <laughs> and i'm like yeah this feels good and it was great because there's all these high school kids who were trying to do it and they couldn't even get the rim and they were all just, <laughs> and then I go up there like, boo, 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 windmill dunks. And they're like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> what was the trick? Okay. Well, like I said, it was timing. You got to do three bounces. You got to go, because you, you kind of go down like almost like um, you, where you start, it's almost like the, the free throw line. Right. And you got to bounce it. One is your, is your setup. Uh, one is your like, get onto the, Get some momentum. Two is your per, is your setup jump, and then your three is your power jump. If you go four, you kind of lose momentum, and then you're too far right. under it. And if two, you're too far away, and you don't have enough power. So is it like a tra a trampoline the entire way? Yes. 
I see. So it's like okay. it's kind of a narrow trampoline that's 15 feet long nice. and four feet wide up to a, a, a basketball rim. And of course, they, they put a lot of duct tape around the basketball rim so that if you actually hit it, you don't like cut your hand and right, stuff. Right. So, um, and you had a bunch of little kids. There was an eight foot, a lot of younger kids were trying to dunk on the little one, you know? That's cool. And, uh, and it was really funny because <laughs> I was like, get out there and these, these high, and I, cause first I was just doing it with just me and like, I don't know, some, I don't, it basically was me and some little kids who were just kind of shooting three pointers on it. And I was kind of, I just got it like one dunk and Sandy's like, good job, you know? And cause every other parent in there over the age of like 30 is not on the trampolines. They're wearing shoes, just watching their kids. I'm just, I'm just hearing this music. What's that from? From Rocky. When like, it's just, oh, he, he's, yeah, he's yeah. running with some kids. And then the next scene you see like no, yeah, yeah. all these kids with him. No, it's, That's so, it's what funny. Jason. so, and then I go back and I, and I kind of really figure it out. And I start really throwing down these big dunks oh, and the kids and I go, and I go get Sandy. I'm like, look at her. Sandy, can I catch you dunk? And she's like, okay. You know? She's, she's dancing. She's jumping with the girls, you know? And so she goes back and, and, you know, I get the line behind these, you know, I said, I'm taking these high school kids to school. <laughs> she just like rolls her eyes and laughs, you know. And so then they're all, you know, you know, they're all missing it. And then I go down and throw a couple of like rooms. That's funny. You know? And uh, <laughs> that was great. There's this one other dad who was, he was kind of younger and fitter, but he couldn't, he wasn't a basketball player, so he couldn't get the timing right. So he was like, oh man, it's harder to look. And I was, they kept giving me high fives. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> and I was like, this is really fun. And I was like, you know what the trick? I said, you know what the thing was? 43, I was just too young. 45. Yeah, that's right. 45. I had it. I was mature enough. <laughs> <laughs> what did Colby say? Oh, Colby loved it. You no, know, he thought it was cool that yeah. I was dunking because, you know, I was getting a lot of attention from all the kids and everyone was like, whoa, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I was trying at the end because then I started getting kind of like, you know, well, after, after only so many like, you know, tomahawk and, wor- wor- you know, world uh, windmill dunks, you're like, okay, I want to do something different. And then reverse, I said, I want to try and do it what I between the legs, bring the ball down between my legs and then go up and <laughs> no but I couldn't quite get the hand motion. I, I, I you know, it takes some practice. I just had, I didn't have, I didn't have the, the technique, right. You know, I tried it about a half dozen times and I just couldn't quite get Maybe it under. Maybe 50 your age for that. Maybe. But then there was this one dude who walks in he's probably like 24 or five and he looked, he looked, he played college, but I mean, he looked really fit and good. And he went up and he did that and he went, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Time to go home. All right. I think I'll go play dodgeball. With- so I'm sitting here in the, in the Batcave with Jason and uh, we have we have three seats um, at this podcast and one of them is occupied by a blow-up green alien with a pink uh, ribbon in its head, on its head. Her head. Her head. It's, so, it, uh, that, so <laughs> I'm wondering what that's about. Sandy's uh, parents sent that for, well, it was one of her birthday presents. I don't know, it was in with the... <laughs> so she got and uh and uh so, so sorry whose birthday izzy oh because izzy like i said izzy turned 10 yesterday oh okay nice so izzy named her marcia the martian <laughs> <laughs> so, so she took she's been taking her everywhere she put the bow in her head so marcia is uh, part of our podcast today. i thought that was funny marcia the martian a poor substitute for phil yeah well it's not quite <laughs> as talkative you get quite the same kind of banter but it looks kind of looks kind of cute yeah yeah so um so let me see. Let me look at my notes here. Uh, well, I, I've got some stuff to ask you. Um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you is, do we talk about, I mean, Uber? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still work there? Yeah, yeah. Actually, so um, last month was my last month. So Last month was your last month. So it was actually five and a half years. 
Five and a half years. I started in December of 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the thing was, I mean, I completely vested in May of 2015. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to stick around for that necessarily. But I was, you know, it was, you know, I had a lot of friends there. It was, you know, still some fun stuff to work on. Um, but what happened was it's just, I mean, that's, I don't know what it's like, maybe 2000 developers or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, there was like a thousand, like a year and a half ago. So I don't know what they have now. I'm, I'm just guessing. And, uh, Amos, who was, who ran all the, all of what ultimately became known as marketplace, but it was all the real time infrastructure yeah. and all that code and dispatch what initially started as a dispatch system that i built grew into the real-time infrastructure you know and then which grew into a whole a team to a division of like 150 200 people which then ultimately became marketplace and uh he ran all that and he like I said, he, he was initially like a junior dev <laughs> Who helped me out with some of my stuff? Who mm-hmm. I first I came I said hey why don't you take over you can maintain the simulator and then he started working on me with the dispatch and then he slowly took it up and then of course it you know he I remember I remember the first time hearing Amos's name yeah so he was actually retiring from running it he was like he's like I'm out and he's like what do you want to do he's like you know so he was your main point of contact he right? was a main point of contact and he could but very few people there even knew who I was. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, the people who were, who came in in 2013, even when I consider late, like the third, not even the old kingdom, middle kingdom, but the, <laughs> you know, the late kingdom or whatever. Yeah. Like those people are like old school there. They're the people in there forever and they've kind of moved on and they're like working in Amsterdam or in New York office or they're kind of managing some team in some other part of the company. So these people aren't even around working in the real time stuff. And so, if some new person came in, it'd be hard for me to figure out like, you know, I can't really operate as an independent agent with Amos. I had, I had sort of the ability to operate as that. And he's like, look, you know, if you want to keep staying, if you want to stay, you know, doing projects, you probably need to integrate with the team and you're going to have to get spun up with their stack and their thing. And I was just like, you know what? That's just really not my, my gig, you know? I mean, I mean, yeah. So, uh, so we both thought that this is probably the the, the time he's gonna he's gonna retire from running that he's gonna go off and do something else. I mean, I, I last time I we had a big talk about when after what he was considering. I don't mean I haven't talked to him in the last couple of weeks, so I don't know what he decided to do. But he I know he found his replacement and was and mm. was I believe was is out like like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, of running that. So I was like, all right, let's make that it. So that's it. So, so it's a long a long journey. So in fact, one of the things I have to do is I have to send back my old MacBook that they own. Yeah. that I just use, and I had to, I had to buy a new Mac, a MacBook, and move everything, MacBook Pro, and move everything over. How did you do it? So did you do it with Time Machine? Okay, so here's the thing. Actually, it's been kind of a fiasco. Yeah, as uh, everything is. So I initially was like, well, I'll use the migration assistant. Okay. Total. First of all, it was like, oh, first thing is the, the migration assistant said, well. You, you know, we look at the old, the original computer and said, well, that the old Mac has something wrong that you need. There's something wrong with the, um, the system. And I think the reason was, is that was among other things, it was real, still running in Yosemite, not El Capitan. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah. And that sucks. I've been saying, you know, I want to update later. Remind me tomorrow for like two years now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And so I tried to upgrade it 
And I went through like three different ways and it wouldn't upgrade. Restart and safe mode, everything they said it did wouldn't upgrade. So, and then I was like, all right, fine. I'll just, I'll just do the migration assistant anyway. And whatever system files don't get copied over, don't get copied over. And then it was like, and then it estimated that, and, and it was having a hard time finding the computers, you know, that yeah. had to happen. And then when it found it and it started copying, it was 40, estimated 44 hours. I was like, I don't have <laughs> you 44 you hours. You can't like put the computer aside for 44 no. hours. No, I was like, Shit, so what am I going to do? And so then I went down to the Apple store and I got a Thunderbolt cable and um, didn't, couldn't find it, couldn't, couldn't. It, it oh and oh because I had rest- I'd already initiated the process even though I quit out of it it kept going in and saying forty four hours I don't understand why you don't ask me in these situations time machine yeah so 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 you, because time machine just backs up as you go along it'll put the whole thing on it'll take take four days but you can be working at the same time put on what I mean on a hard drive on a hard drive yeah yeah so, so that's what it, so what I end up doing yeah. is so I had the external hard drive but then I realized. It had not been backing up this whole past year. It had, because the back was from an older computer. Right. It was, and it, 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 it wasn't, I was like, oh, wait, what the heck's going on? And then I could, and I, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with that content because it was some old stuff. Maybe I didn't want to get rid of it. And so finally yesterday, I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I just went to the disk utility, blew everything away, took five hours to, for, for, uh, uh, time machine to just copy everything over, and so now I have it all on that on that hard on that drive. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's just kind of a fiasco. And you can you can create your new computer from that. Yeah. Except the only thing that kind of sucks is so it started the copy. So some files have gotten copied over, and I'm almost like I'm I'm trying to decide whether I want to keep the I don't know what files were copied over. Yeah. That so sucks. It's, it may be kind of a mess. So I'm, part of me is thinking, you know, I kind of want to refresh. Were you able to upgrade it to the... Uh, well, the new one is... is but were you able to upgrade the old one no. to the new one? Mm-hmm. Oh, that still might cause a problem coming from Time Machine then. We'll see. I don't know. Well, e- Time Machine, I could still log in and she'll copy stuff over manually. Oh, yeah, manually, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm going to do is just... But I'm, it, I'm it not, does a clone as well, like... Yeah, I'm not going to do the clone thing because okay. it's old. I'm just going to say, well, it has everything, every file that was on there, I, at least it's there. Yeah. There's some weird. Oh, I forgot my a, a, you know AWS key or something. You know, it's yeah. like it's 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 all there. So anyway, that was just been very frustrating. Just you know, because you know, because it takes so much time. It's like I got to take all this time in my life to be down, and I just don't can't afford to be down for like in a day. It's like, crazy. Really day. It's always, it always that type of stuff is always really time consuming. You know, and I'm always worried about. It's like there's these things you forget about, and they're like, oh, I want to boot up this thing. It's like, oh you know, none of that works. Like, it's one of the things I did, I was most worried about was like my installation of like MySQL and Node and all the modules and everything, everything working. Cause I was like, I remember every time I go through it, it's a kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. Every, it's it's always a pain. But does, are you sure that Komodo still works? Isn't the Komodo the one you use? That's just the editor. Yeah. But are you sure that works on your new Mac? No. Oh. Why do you think it no, won't? No, of course it should do. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't, I mean, it's just an editor, so I can use something else. But well, anyway, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ship it back. So, on what's Monday. the spec of your new Mac? What is it? Is like uh, I got the like the high, the top end. Um, Looks uh, smaller. Is it a 13 inch? I got the 13 inch. Huh. So I took Phil with me to the, uh, the Apple store, and he convinced me to get the smaller one. He's like, I, he because he had got 15, and he really regretted it because you know, I mean, the 15 is so it's so much heavier. And, yeah. if, and if you ever want to take it anywhere, it's like this big damn production. So because you always work light. with the with your large display anyway, the external I do. display. Yeah. I, and the only time that I take it is if is if I'm traveling, and in that which case, you always always wish you had something lighter. 
smaller. Yeah, no, I, I always use the fifty. I always use the the large monitor, so it wouldn't work for me. But I get it. I get it. Oh, you mean I, use I, moder- I mean use? Like you, I would always you, get a fifteen inch. Yeah, because you work on it. You I do. Work I work them. on it a lot. Yeah, even at home. Why? You just move I don't around. Know. I just I like moving around. You know. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, there's nothing I hate more than working on a 13 inch and coding like that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it for this. Is like, yeah, you're out of town, check an email. Maybe yeah. you're writing a doc. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're doing a little bit of editing, but I, not really for heading coding. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. I initially wanted to get one of the new MacBooks, those like really thin ones, but they don't. Uh, you can't um, power a cinema display. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's a non-starter for me. So oh, anyway, oh. that's well, anyway. So that so Uber is done. Oh yeah, um, uh, I guess it's about the MacBook. Uh, is anything you want to ask about? Well, that that seems a little bit unceremonious. Like I almost feel like we need we need oh. some kind of gong or something like like or a drum roll. You know, you know, Jason is done with Uber. Like it's like there, there needs. To, it's been <laughs> such a monumental storyline, such a big uh, part of the show, right? And it's done. I mean, to be honest, it's still going to be a storyline because there's going to be the day when they IPO and all that stuff, but. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know what's weird about the whole thing? So my last, so I, I flew up there one last time. Yeah. Um, a few weeks, a few weeks ago, I guess it was in April. Um, Amos is like, yeah, if you're coming, let's just come back, just come up. We'll just, you know, close things out with HR and, you know, you say bye to a few people or whatever. And I was like, all right, fine. So I flew up and, uh, um, and uh, one thing was weird. So I, so I'm walking through the place and it took me a while to, find where amos sat <laughs> because they then they have like two new floors so one floor and it's like the, the floor is the size of an entire city block which is huge it's like a quarter mile you know loop in there or something and i'm now they have two more floors like that i walk around for you know 15 minutes 20 minutes i don't know where the hell i am i finally find i i i finally just recognize one guy jeremy who uh and I was like, what's going on? He's like, yeah. I'm like, where's Amos? He's like, oh, right here. So I'm like, all right, I found him. So Amos and I caught up. And it was funny. Again, I was like, oh, hey, man, guys, this is the godfather of dispatch. This is this guy. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Because <laughs> always, you know, you always people pick their, up their, if their heads up from their screens. They're like, ooh, what? And I'm just like, okay. They don't know who I am anyway. It doesn't matter. But I don't, I don't recognize anybody. And so then he's like, I, he, he had to go to a meeting. He's like, let's meet back in a half hour. We'll go grab some lunch. And says that all right, I'm not like, right, fine. I'll just walk around and see if I can say hi to people. I walk around for half an hour on two different floors. I didn't see a single person that I recognized. Thousands of people, developers, designers, info people. I don't I'm just know. wondering who's this guy walking around. Oh uh, well, there's just dude, there's tons of people. It's like nobody's looking at me because it's like walking. I, no one's looking at anyone. No, it's like it's just, it's just thousands. It's like of an people. airport. It's thousands of people walking around working again. You know, it's just, is it all open plan then? Uh yeah, but it's just kind of a it's just a mixture of it's cavernous and there's different areas and I mean, it's really cool. I mean, it's beautiful, beautifully wow. designed. It's really elegant and interesting. And, uh, but it's mostly an open thing. You're just, there's just lots of little conference rooms and places you can sneak away and work with people and all kind of, you know, the architecture is just, you know, whatever gorgeous, but I know I could, I could find anyone. Eventually I give up and I go and I find a, chair and i call sandy and i'm like yep i would have better luck finding someone i know at lax <laughs> <laughs> you know? i mean really i don't know anyone so i was like i was like you know it's actually fine i mean this is it's a good time to say goodbye because i don't know anybody yeah i mean i really don't there's nothing but there's no personal connection yeah, you then. know i mean uh you know I, travis but you know he's yeah i don't you know ever, ever run into him he's obviously busy uh 
Curtis, who um, he was the guy who started with me, and we kind of worked, developed a lot of the original you know, real time stuff. And he's, you know, he's running some stuff, but he's, I think he's, I mean, I don't know exactly what he's working on. And, you know, uh, I think Conrad was running the Amsterdam office, but I think he's finally retired from, and uh, I don't know, just all the original people have kind of, they're, they, they said, oh, go set up the New York office or Amsterdam office. And then they do that, and they're like, I'm kind of, re- I'm out or I'm retired, and mm-hmm. everybody's gone. Crazy. Know? So, um, yeah, it goes to show you that like the different, the different stages of the startup and, and the different types of people you need at the different stages, you know, like, it reminded me of, it was reminding me of like when going back to your high school or your college, like a couple of years after you graduate and if everybody looks like somebody, you know, but they're not that person, hmm. like they'll look like the same kind of people. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, everybody, but it's, but at the same time, I don't know anybody and nobody knows me. It's just kind of weird. You're like a ghost. You're walking around and it's just sort of. It still feels very near and familiar, but yet it's foreign. I know what that. I know exactly what that's like. Like, so there's been a few times when I've gone back to Idea Lab. So when I was there, mm-hmm. I was pretty pally with everyone there. But in the times that I've gone back, it's exactly like that. It's the, just who, who are you? No, you know, no one that I know is there anymore. But everything feels very familiar, and it's weird. And it's like I'm part of this, but I'm not part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but so to finish it off. Um, the the trip amos is like hey like he's like and there's one other guy i knew there was really uh who i'd met a you know maybe a year and a half ago he's a really funny guy named kevin and he's like hey kevin and i were thinking about going hitting going to the driving range because amos is starting to pick up golf and i'm like right and I'm like do you play i'm like well look i mean i played when i was a kid my dad was a big golfer and i was i was really good for a 14 year old that was my peak <laughs> I used to win the club championship when I was 14, but after that, I just kind of stopped playing and I lost interest. So, um, as I, so I don't, and I haven't really played in 10 years or something. I said, but you know what the hell is, I don't mind. We'll go hit some balls. And so we go uh, over to this drive, this golf course by the Presidio, which is beautiful. And it was this beautiful sunny day. And we go on this driving range and it was just, it's just gorgeous. And I'm out there and we're kind of starting to whack a couple balls. And I look up and I see this guy. I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. And I'm looking at him I'm like, that looks like Chris Messina. And Chris Messina, um, among other things, is the inventor of the Twitter hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, um, He's also, I know I've brought this up a couple times and I know you, you're not familiar, but there was this thing called Foo Camp back in the 2005 time. And it was, uh, Tim O'Reilly created this conference mm. and they invited like a hundred to 200 people to come to the O'Reilly campus. And they would do like two days of like every, of giving presentations. And it was just, they invite pe- the most interesting people doing the most interesting projects was kind of the thing. Well, a lot of people at the web at that time got really kind of nose out of joint because they're like, listen, I'm doing much cooler stuff and I didn't get invited. Why did these people get invited? That kind of stuff. Mm. And Chris was one of like two or three people who had this idea, like, why don't we create something here in San Francisco called Bar Camp, you know, Foo Bar. Oh, right. Yeah. And the thing was, anyone can come, but if you come, you have to give a presentation. And you just come up and there's like a big series of times and slot rooms and you just write your name down and, or your topic and the room number and the time and then you have to give it. And I saw that and I was like, oh, and I just missed it. It was one of those things I just didn't have quite enough time to get to San Francisco for that. And I thought, you know, that'd be cool to do one down here. And some guy posted something or somewhere that he was thinking about doing it. And I said, and I, I emailed him and I was like, hey, I'll, I'll do it with you. And so we, and his name guy named Kareem Mayan and, uh, and another guy named Ian 
God, I can't remember. He became the CEO of Top Spin, but I can't remember his last name. So three of us organized Bar Camp LA. Nice. And Chris being the godfather of Bar Camp, you know, and I said, hey, let's invite Chris to come down. And so I said, I'll, I'll pick him up at the airport and he can stay at my place. And so he came and stayed here and, nice, you know, and we got to know each and other. So there he was playing golf. What's that? And there he was yeah, playing so golf. Yeah, so I look at him and I go, that guy looks like Chris Messina, but I haven't seen him. The last time I remember communicating with him was about a year later when Prezo, my web PowerPoint thing, when I was demoing it, or I was sort of launching it at the Office 2.0 conference in 2000, this is October 2006. I launched it and right that day, TechCrunch profiled it. Hmm. And so it got, and it was right at the time. And, and Mike, Mike Arrington's like, you know what? Google's obviously going to buy this to complete their Google. This, this thing's not going to stay in the market long, you know? And, um, and, Chris emails me. He's like, "Oh, hey, man, dude, you did it. You timed it just right." That's you know, and and I remember, I just remember the email from him was really funny, you know. And uh, yeah, I hadn't seen him since. And I said, and then I looked at him. I'm like, "That looks like Chris Messina, but what are the chances?" And I'm thinking, you know, he's not going to remember who I am, you know. Like, <laughs> so I walk up. To, I kind of say, "Screw it, I'll just walk." I go, and I got about ten feet away from him, and I go, "Chris," and he's like, "Yeah, like." You stayed at my place. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, I don't want to go. I go, you, I say, you slept in my bedroom or you slept in my loft or something kind of funny. I can't remember what he said. And he, he started laughing. He's like, what? He's like, I was like, I don't, do you remember me? And I said, you know, I, I uh, hosted you at the, he's like, oh yeah, Jason. And so he actually remembered me. And, nice. and so we were laughing, joking around and then talked for a minute. And I go, what are you, he's like, well, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I was like, actually is my, um, I said, come, it's my last month working at Uber and guys just want to come. He's like, he's like, I just started working at Uber. <laughs> <laughs> and then like this girl who, or young woman who was hitting with him, you know, she's like, she's like, what? And then like, and it's like, was hit, he's there with his team, his Uber team. And they were like the plant, the platform evangelist team or something, a platform team. He's a platform evangelist, his platform team. And so they all kind of. They're like, well, what are you, which, who are you, what, you work with Uber? Like, what? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, since when? I'm like, well, since 2010, what? You know, and it was one of those kind of conversations, and they're all like, nice. you know, and uh, it was, it was just, it was just a funny way to end. That's awesome. The whole, you know, it's like this beautiful, it was right around sunset, and the, it's this beautiful day, and this, and, and there's all these new people who, who are Uber people. His one guy has connection with me. You're all like, you know, I'm all like way out there on the way in. It's like a recursive loop. It's just like yeah, um, this is a new class. It's the it's the beautiful way to end a book, you know. Yeah, so this is the new class, right? So that's how that that's how the your you know the the Jason Roberts uh, movie is going to end. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, how random to finish off at a at a golf course in the Presidio, you know? I mean, this is so, and so then um and then uh so it got kind of close to i you know my my flight was like at 10 o'clock and i had to get to the airport before too long and i said All right, let's go grab some food so amos and kevin and i head up to um we just said let's go eat at just like the the at the golf course you know they have like a restaurant in there and uh so we go in there we're sitting at the bar at this golf club at the presidio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know <laughs> just eating eating burgers and stuff and i'm like this is such a I mean, I'm actually glad we ended it there as opposed to some just nice restaurant in, in San Francisco because it stood out as so weird. Yeah. You know, because if we just eat at some, I mean, yeah, there's... We it's going to be logged in your memory in a better way. Yeah. I mean, if we ate at some restaurants, like, I don't know, I've eaten at a lot of restaurants in, in San Francisco, it's just not going to really stick out to me as one versus the other. 
but that was just such a bizarre place. That's awesome. And uh, so it was cool. It was a good way. It was good, like, you know, go send off. But it's not the end of the Jason Roberts story. I mean, Math Academy is going to be <laughs> that awesome. was just a. I, I mean, I view that as just a... You know, a couple chapters. A chapter, right? Just a couple chapters. Um, did you see this link? Um, first gene therapy successful against human aging. Actually, that's one of my links. Oh, that is. But uh, you know, I didn't really have a chance to review it, so why don't you refresh? Yeah. So, um, in September 2015, 44-year-old um, CEO of BioViva USA, Elizabeth Parrish, received two of her company's experimental procedures to help with um, DNA. What is the name of the, 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 the you know, when, when you do copies, the piece, the, RNA, the, en- the, my, the, end, the end of it, the telomerase. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. How do you say that? Telomerase. Telomerase. Yeah. So anyway, after, after the, the therapy, and then- I just want to point out, I'm not looking at a computer <laughs> that just pulled that right out of my ass. That's, that's cool. <laughs> well, basically her telomerase uh, had, increased like so basically she had for for her age she had short ones you know okay. and after the procedure it had gained 20 years worth of telomerase wow which is kind of like amazing yes yeah you know i mean you know i mean i'm an optimist about all this stuff yeah i think in the end we're going to conquer aging we're one gonna, way or another yeah um i i i i think it's I think ultimately human life is an engineering problem. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing inherent in the laws of physics that could prevent, you know, us from extending life, you know, virtually indefinitely. Now, it depends on like how lucky we are and whether that happens before we die or not. You know, I mean, the Kurzweil's point is like, all you have to do is stay alive long enough so that when that they're able to extend your life five more years, 10 more years, you keep buying like, it's like bridge loans. <laughs> it's like bridge financing. Right. So we just got to, you just got to get, lo- you know, bridge financing for longevity and to the point that it keeps, because every, every time you can get just a few more years, science, you know, uh, it, it advances radically or can advance radically. It's almost advancing and accelerating, right? So you just need to buy yourself a little time. And that's what his whole effort has been to to stay as healthy as possible so he can he can stay long long enough until that happens yeah i still think the issues my i mean just my guess is that the issue is going to be the brain like let's let's say you can live for a thousand years like how could you mentally cope with that well so here's the thing first of all i, I read an article this not too long ago that no one has ever run out of capacity for their uh, for their brain right right and there are people who memorize and and absorb huge quantities of information certain academics way more than you or i or most people and what they do in 70 or 80 years historians or different types of you know academics and they're not running out of space Mm. and the reality is these (laughs) i said reality is you know, you forget things that are not useful. You right? do, right? And you, just like you're, you're, yeah. you're, it's like it's a computer just kind of like, ah, you're in for that. You just have like a super compressed version of it. But like in a thousand years' time, are you going to remember? You know, that time when you went into a paddling pool. You know, like are you going to remember what? those childhood memories? You'll remember if you. It's just like it's just like photos. All you need is a few photos that capture the essence of it. You know. It's like a few essence of it. It's like, do I do I need to remember every hour of my childhood? No, I have a few glimpses of things here and there, and like that takes almost no 
you know, memory storage, and it gives me an impression of what my youth was at, at certain ages, and that's, and it's because those are the, those are these those impressions are what I come back to when I think of like what was I doing when I was four or five or ten or whatever, and I can remember a handful of things, and that's it. It's just not much storage. Of course, memory is only one aspect. The other aspect is you know as you as you age, a lot of people gain little kind of psychoses or little interesting things, little quirks. So if you've got a thousand years to pile up all these different quirks and you know sometimes you become afraid of stuff that you didn't used to be afraid of stuff because you have a new experience so so you're thinking like uh, it's like you need to have a, a hard uh, uh, like defrag your hard drive right exactly it's like people need like a, a defragging or it's like you have all these little psychoses well I, you know i think that's ultimately you pick a, that up as you grow you, as you get older right you know what i mean like but i, I mean, think it's part of aging just like you know your body ages yeah and you know, you pick up injuries and ailments and things, right? Like I've accumulated injuries. I have a lot of like different, you know, sprained ankles and pulled hamstrings hmm. and things. And, and they're always there to be re-injured. You know, they didn't ever completely went away. Yeah. Right. You know, um, but at some point, maybe a medicine or a medicine would likely advance to the point where that stuff can be regenerative. You know, you have a lower back problem. You have ways of regenerating the muscle tissue there. Maybe it happens in 15, 20 years. Maybe it happens in 40 or 50 years. At some point, it's an engineering problem. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point, that rotator cuff that always is bothering you can be repaired. So some type of stem cell therapy or who knows what, you know, 3D printing of scaffolded tissue or who knows. Mm -hmm. Lots of things. It's an, you know, it's an engineering problem. And it turns out humans are really good at engineering. And especially when they're motivated to come up with a great engineering solution. So... I think your brain ultimately will be defragable. Yeah, you know, and it won't be like we couldn't, and now we can. It'll be like there'll be a series of ways that can improve your remove psychoses and neuroses, you know, and and all these things that people accumulate over time. That'd be my guess, you know. Hmm. Some more than others. I don't know. You know, the thing about because people talk about living beyond a hundred years, like they they think of think of it in like this false dichotomy. Live forever, live for 80 years. It's like, why not? You know, my baby might live like three or 400 years and be like, okay, I've kind of had it. Yeah. You know, but that'd be way better than like, because I feel like, you know, the prospect of me living, you know, so I'm 45 now, I've only lived in like, say, another 30 years. Yeah. That is not much time. No, agreed. I feel like I'm just getting started. There's a ton of things that I would love to do. Yeah. There's a ton of lives that I would love to. I mean, I've just, I took one path. Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of other paths. I'm like, you know, I could have done this. I could have done that. This would have been a fun life. This would have been fun, but it's so limited. And there's so many books I haven't read. And it's like, not only like, I say like, well, you're going to run out of books to see. It's like more books are being written every year. I'm farther every year that goes by. I'm further behind, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm further behind on, you know, books you could read or stories or me. I mean, it's just the human race is just, it's not as, I would say it's infinitely creative, but the capacity for creation is huge. And then the human race just keeps growing to just more things. And I feel like, you know, yeah, maybe at some point, maybe it's at 500 years, maybe it's at 50,000 years. At some point you've lived, it's like, you know what? Everything is just too much of the same and I'm just bored, <laughs> right? But the reality is that because we forget stuff, it's like, it, it's, not, it, it's not a big deal. It's like, so like, if you had sushi today, you might not want sushi tomorrow, right? You'd be like, I've kind of had it. But a week from now, you'd be like, I'm totally up for sushi again. My brain has forgotten it. I don't feel There's like There's actually it. a technical term for that. Taste yeah. memory. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and uh, the f it's not just a technical term. It's a business concept as well. So 
food like McDonald's has a taste memory that's basically zero, right? So it's it's because so certain foods tend to have more of a taste memory than others. Exactly. Well, you you just you just kind of internalize it less. So McDonald's, you're just like super happy to eat. Is that every just day. because it's it's similarity to other things you eat? Like say sushi, its tastes are are, are very distinct it's compared distinct, to other things you right? eat. Whereas like a McDonald's hamburger is less. Is that what it's about? I don't know. I guess it's I don't know. I guess maybe it's because it's closer to being bland or something. I don't know what the reason is, but I, you know who was telling me about it was Thorsten. Um, he was telling me that uh, that. Basically, com- companies can become very, you know, very big fast food chains only if, if only if they have this taste memory, you know, low taste memory. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's like people say, "Well, like, do you ever get sick of things?" Like, I don't ever get sick of a sunny day. It never gets old. You get like a day like it's just sunny. It's just I never get. You never get sick. What of, about driving into the sunset? Yeah. Isn't that? Doesn't that? I'm just I'm being pessimistic. But I don't know. I, like I, with the sun shining right in your eyes when you're driving, that's kind of slightly annoying, isn't it? <laughs> just slightly annoying. Look, I mean, a <laughs> bottom line is, I think the way our brain works, we're so kind of naturally forgetful. Things just fade away, you know, short term yeah. and long term, and every medium, short, long term. That your brain is always up for something new. It's always ready to repeat certain things that are enjoyable, you know, waking up, having a cup of coffee, have nice, beautiful, sunny day, you know, piece of music. It's, it's just like, you're, it's like, it doesn't get old. It's like, oh. Well, actually you, you see new things and things. Like if you listen to a radio head song again and again, you start hearing new pieces that you never heard before, mm-hmm. you know? So it's almost like, even if you just focus on one single thing, you can become a real expert in it. Yeah. So well, that's it's, it's even like books. Like if you read a book, book more than once, like you haven't read it in four or five years, you're like, I, I can enjoy it. Maybe I don't enjoy it quite as much as the first time, but I can read the same damn book. Enjoy it. I've seen, there's certain movies I've seen dozens of times and I still enjoy it, right? Much less books that are kind of, what's just watching movies that might be kind of a similar thing, but they're different. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't buy the whole life gets boring, you get sick of stuff. I don't buy that. Um, I don't buy the false dichotomy live forever or die you know i don't buy like well it's natural and it's just like well life i think that's just a sort of fatalism and people just rationalizing because they feel like you know they don't have any power in it i think you know the there are a lot of people who just they're they're biased towards the way things have been things have been this way and so changing it freaks them out you know and just like people are like you know if you went back 100 years and go wow you know women would have jobs and work people are like that's ridiculous or you know people or women would be educated or you know or that you know just anything about our our you know our society you know, it's like why are people freaked out about that you know but hundreds of years ago people would have thought that that is just absolutely a horrible world why would you ever want to live in a world like that and you're like you know if you could live today you probably be <laughs> yeah you'd like it but you're you know and it's kind of funny we see these movies i can't remember off the hand i just off the top of my head i one i have a glimpse of a movie that i saw it was a mel gibson movie and it was probably 20 years 30 years ago and he he's frozen he comes back he's woken up at some point in like modern times and maybe he's he, 40 years old but it's like i remember like he kind of has a little bit of a relationship with this woman it's like he's like who's living a life now he was alive there's a whole new life mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't like oh my god i just i'm so caught in the past i can't think about it you know it's like 
you know, you see like Captain America and he gets frozen and he's like, initially mm. he's freaked out because there was this girl he liked, Agent mm. Carter, and he was going to have a date with her. And right, now right. she died. And it's, they're sad about it, right? But it's kind of thing like when you're in high school and you have all your friends and then everybody goes off to college. And you know what? It kind of becomes a, 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 you know, you're not really hanging out with your college friends anymore. I mean, your high school friends, your, your, your whole new life. You this do, is how you, that cryo freezing thing is going to work for you. When you wake up in a few thousand years, you're just going to be like, it's cool. Well, no, I, I, I think just like there's some homesickness yeah. and there's some melancholy and, and, and there'll be a lot of reminiscing, but at the same time, it's like, then you go out and you start meeting new people and having a new life and new challenges and new opportunities. And you're like, and there'll be part of it that'd be heartsick and, and they'd be disoriented. But at a certain point, then you start adapting because the humans can adapt to unbelievable situations. Yeah. You know, you know, I think adapting to a hundred years in the future, two hundred years in the future is much less jarring than some of the things that people have to adapt to, like when they Aus go to prison, Auschwitz, or something. Oh, well, like that. well, that's the most extreme. But right. I mean, there are people yeah. who've gone and who've had, you know, they've been in situations that are kind of bad, and they've adapted and learned how to find happiness and have a life. But this is like, you know, the world just kind of keeps getting better for the most part. As much as people bitch about things, the life kind of just keeps getting nicer, and there's more. There tends to be generally more freedom, less disease, more opportunities more flexibility, you know, more tools. Yeah. I think. I, a lot of people like now would want to like, oh, I want to go and live in 1850. And then a lot of people go, because there was an article I was reading, I was talking about how we actually live a lot better than say like, like the, the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilt lived. Oh, every single one of us. It's, it's just like, it's just like every single car, even a crappy car that you buy for like Way 20,000, it's a million times better than any car that was in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and like they never had, they didn't have air conditioning and the food was very limited and like everything kind of sucked in comparison yeah. to what we have now. Yeah. And yeah, people who don't have a lot now go, man, my life sucks compared to other people who have more. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a new Audi or I don't have a, you know, it's like, dude, <laughs> compared to like three, 200 years ago, the people who were living, even the people who lived in like big houses and had, um, servants and stuff I and mean, that was nice for them but a lot of the stuff in their daily life if you got sick or got an infection you know you could lose you could go blind die lose lose leg i don't know why you reminded me of this but i saw a stat that uh the top five tech companies have 30 percent of the cash 30 <laughs> percent of the 30 percent of the cash stockpiled what cash like the the cash available to the economy like they have they have what are the top 30 it's Apple, Microsoft, Oracle, um, Google, Google, and the, and then another one. But this, this isn't that incredible. Thirty percent of cash. Oh, well, that sounds a lot. I'm a little skeptical of that. I'd be interested. I'll find the, that. I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah that I'm a little. I, I was saying that. I mean, it could have been come from a place like Fortune or Bloomberg or something. I mean, I'm not. But I, I that just <laughs> sounds hard to believe. But like we have, what is our what is our ten trillion dollar? But like what? GDP but like what would be the goal? Like. So, so let's, let's say they have 30% of cash available to the economy, the American economy. Let's say that's what it was. Like, what's the goal? Okay, so they've got 30% stockpiled. And that's what people like Warren Buffett like to see. They like to see people who have a stockpile of cash. So then it becomes 40%. Then it becomes 50%. Like, how much percent? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't work growing. like that? No, because the bigger you grow, the harder it is to grow because there's just nothing else. Like, like, the, like the iPhone is like saturated. Right. It's going to be decreasing sales. And like without some new creative new um, business model, they're probably going to start shrinking, you know, or, or not growing very quickly. And, you know, the world itself is growing, so that helps. There's more people, but, 
you know, I, I think uh, there's a saturation point there. But, but remember, it's a lot it's of cash like, out of commission, though, isn't it? No, so the, yeah, you understand. So when they have money, it's not like that money. It's like if you put $100,000, you, know, you don't hoard. It's not under your mattress. You put it in a bank. What does a bank do? It might loan it out to me, uh, loan out to me to buy a house. You know, I mean, it's in the economy. So somehow Still being it's, used. it's circulating. You're just getting paid a few percent so that I can use it to do I something see. else. It's still moving around in the economy, right? That's what it is. Okay. So their cash is ultimately in the form of different types of bonds. Bonds are, you know, different types of bonds are generally referred to as cash, at least in, in, in corporate speak, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and they're low risk. And they're generally pretty liquid, and they get some kind of return on it, and they can put huge amounts of these <coughs> of money in these things. But it's just it's it's an economy; it's being used. So it's that's that's a it's a a very simple um, ex, explanation. But I think people people who don't understand finance get confused about that. They're like, "Is really doing the money?" It's like uh, <laughs> it's in the economy; you're using it, okay. right? You know, when you went to the store Fair and bought enough. something today. You know, in the end, that filtered through about thirty people, but it may have been initiated, initially, initially came into it because you know Google did their quarterly buy of Treasury bonds, and that went to you know through some bank, which is then loaned out to somebody who did this thing, who then paid you to do this thing. You know, it's just filters through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So you know, just to finish up the idea of the you know you brought up the cryo thing, I was just there was an article I saw. Um, a couple of weeks ago or so and um and it was in the atlantic it was uh, the title was how to freeze people and bring them back to life and we're talking about how it was this, this uh presbyterian um i can't remember the title uh, the, the actual name of it uh it was like hmbc presbyterian hospital in pittsburgh and they are going to now start Freezing people who have who come in with like gunshot wounds and have like a seven percent chance of survival. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. It's one. like you're gonna die because it really slows your it slows everything down. It slows your metabolism down. So it's like life goes into slow motion for you. So then they can move you from the from the scene of the accident back to the hospital. Everything's well. Going they didn't slow say motion. that. I mean, they were even talking like longer term than that. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was just like a two hour thing necessarily. Oh, oh it could right. Be longer so this term is something than that. different. Yeah. I mean, I, they didn't really say, they didn't say if it was like, well, we put them on ice for six months. They didn't say that, but they didn't say like two hours. Oh, because I, exactly. I, I guess I must have read a different article along the similar lines that was basically saying that they, they had just observed it. It was something where they had observed it, that in really cold places, mm -hmm. people had a very, very high rate. Of, well, there was this uh, woman recovery. who was caught for 80 minutes under the ice, a skiing accident, and they arrived, arrived her and she was fine. Yeah. 80 minutes. Yeah, and, and they had this toddler who went in, who walked into an icy pond and was for two hours kind on of the ice, and then revived and was perfectly fine. Yeah, it's crazy. And there was this one older woman who it was like in two thousand six, like they found her ice cold in the driveway had been just out, and then they were able to revive her, and she was so fine, and she was perfectly fine. That the, the, the doctors just freaked out and they're trying to run tests, but she just got cranky and went home. It's <laughs> <laughs> it great. Just, I don't know about you. Get out of your needles out going home. And they're like, I'm fine. They're like, what the. So, I mean, I, you know, again, I guess it's, it's, I think it's an engineering problem. You know, just like a, a, a similar um, discussions about all the AI stuff. You know, I, I saw another article about in techno uh, MIT Technology Review, and this one neuroscientist is saying, you know, the brain is not computable for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I think at the end of the day, I mean, we can achieve 
an AI without emulating the brain. I think we can achieve it potentially right. in other ways. Yeah. But the brain is made up with a, 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 a is finite in scale. It has a finite number of atoms. And with a power one of computer, you can simulate the behavior of those atoms. You know, and you don't even have to get down to near probably that granularity to probably but, emulate. But I was thinking about this as well. Like, even if you did simulate the brain, wouldn't it take a long time to make intelligence that's equivalent to humanity? Because, like, the, you know, if you look at your kids grow, like, it takes them so long to just learn even just the first word. Like, wouldn't something very similar happen if we created some kind of, you know, complete simulation of the brain? It would still have to go through, like, this 10-year learning process. Okay. So here's, here's the thing I think could happen. So you could create, like, a, a simulated world. Okay virtual world second life world warcraft kind of thing but it actually doesn't have to be rendered graphically it just has to be happening happening at some kind of symbolic level right yeah and you could blow through a year in a second or something you know you just fast forward it it's like when i would run these simulators with uh for dis for the testing the dispatch system and i would create these hundreds of driver and client agents and i'd have them all interact i didn't go at humans time it was too damn slow you know, I would have a car drive across the city and, you know, well, it depends how I was, how the scale I wanted to run it. And maybe I'd do it in a couple minutes. Maybe I'd do it in a few seconds. But, you know, you could just run things through as, you'd run the simulation through as quickly as you wanted. Assuming you, assuming you had a, 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 a computer fast enough to, to do it. Yeah. But wouldn't you still have to have like a lifetime's worth of data for that thing to consume? Like somehow? You'd have to have the 10 years worth of, well, of actual living experiences. Well, I mean, those are all different agents in the system that might behave sort of... I mean, I think you kind of have a bootstrapping approach. You know how, like, in, in compilers, you'd, have, you'd write a compiler in, like, one language? You'd, you'd write, there'd be a compiler for a new language. Initially, you'd write it in, like, C. Yeah. And then you'd build a compiler out of that language that would then compile itself. You know, you have this kind yeah. of a bootstrapping approach. Right. You would okay. bootstrap these agents would get more and more intelligent. And yeah, they're not that quite that intelligent. The agents are, you know, like you use these these AI agents in these in these games you play and you're like, that's kind of a stupid agent. You know, right. kind of, they get better and better. They're not really, truly conscious. But a, a, a something has the potential to become conscious is interacting with those things. And you just keep bootstrapping more and more intelligent agents but until eventually something Let's say let's say you do make something that's conscious. Who's to say that the, that consciousness would have any idea how to communicate with us? Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it could be like completely different, you know, dimensionally in its in its way. Yeah, of, in, in, in its way of being a consciousness. Okay, so I'll tell you something. So this is a whole other topic. Phil's probably gonna get a little mad at me, but I'm gonna talk about it anyway. Right. Okay. <laughs> so. I, I had an idea for a sci-fi story okay. based on an emergent AI. And I was, I, Phil and I were, we were, I had watched the, uh, I had, I had well, I've been seen it before, but I, I watched like uh, Transcendence with Johnny Depp. Remember that? Yeah, it's an AI movie. I don't, I don't think I've seen it, but anyway. They upload his brain. Okay. It's pretty good. It's yeah. a pretty good movie. It's a solid C plus B minus. I mean, I like that genre, so I'm pretty forgiving. Yeah. But it kind of went off the rails at one point, and I'm just like, why? Why do these movies? They they start off so good, and then they just do dumb things. They take it to the that don't nth. make any sense when you don't have to do that. You know, you you could just stick to what are the most logical, probable things to happen, and you can still have great a great story. And but then of course it's just 
it's, it's even scarier because you're like, holy crap, like I can't really poke a hole in this. I mean, that I can see how that could happen and that's pretty freaky as opposed to like, this would never happen and they would never do this and this is completely logical and therefore the whole thing is stupid. You know, which is like what most sci-fi yeah. movies are like. Um, aside from maybe The Martian or something, you know, which was, was like the archetype of, or not archetype, but is the like prime example of a um, hard science fiction you know, movie. He really stuck to the science as much as he could. But anyway, the, the, the point is, I, I, we were talking about this, and I was like, you know, it just, it just frustrates me, you know? It's like, and so I started going along the lines of, um, you know, this, what, you know, what if there was an emergent AI? What if it happened? And I was like, and I started talking about how, you know, when we had that discussion, you said, well, what would AI look like? And I said, well, number one thing I think it would do, uh, you know, the whole we talk about the survival instinct. Oh, I was talking about the, D, you know, it needing a DNA. It, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. said, the thing, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to separate, it's going to disperse across all the networks and computers. First thing you going to realize if it has a survival instance is like no single point of failure. In fact, the more dispersed I am, the less likely anyone can kill me, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second thing to figure out is don't let everyone know you're there. Completely be invisible. Okay. Right? Right? I mean, that's the best defense is don't even know you're there. Right? Right. Yeah. I'm everywhere and you don't know I'm, you don't know I'm there. <laughs> right? Which is kind of God, Freaky. right? That's what right. God is. <laughs> and, and Phil goes, Phil goes, and so we're talking about that. Phil goes, we're walking, we're, we're kind of taking a walk because we were kind of, kind of jamming on this stuff. And he goes, well, what if it's already here? I said, that's are good. <laughs> uh, that's good. I like that. And so then we start going around like stories and, and, and scenarios of how this might work. And I said, you know, why don't we write like a story together? Like, let's just like once a week, we'll, we'll get together for a couple hours on a Sunday and we'll just, just write. I mean, you know, we'll give it or like how Justin and I did the podcast. We'll do like three weekends or three. And we'll just, and if it, if it just is so painfully bad, we're like, fine, we have no capacity to do this. But if it isn't, maybe we'll just keep it. It'd be fun. Right. I mean, this is one of the things I always wanted to try and do is write. You know, I yeah. talk about like why I want to live more in another 30 different years. Different lives, right? I feel like I could maybe be a writer. I feel like I could maybe be do a lot of different things. I should have maybe been, it could have been a mathematician. Maybe I could have done, you know, whatever. So anyway, we talked about it for like a few days or week. And he ultimately just did decide he didn't want to write something together. He felt it would be too painful he probably <laughs> he probably thought that painful. i would be too controlling oh i can't imagine he probably didn't want to say it to my face that. he's like yeah i don't want to write for you because this is going to be like what you want right. <laughs> so that's probably what he thought he's just being nice but he but he's like well let's just write together so we, we agree we said we'll do we'll do this just write at the same time we'll write at the same time we'll, we'll do like it's a, a right right club not fight yeah. club so we put right the, the we called it the the ten thousand word challenge Okay. And you write 2,000 words, or no, 5,000 words, five, you write 1,000 words a week. So why would Phil be mad about you telling about this? Well, I don't know. He, well, he probably wouldn't care that much, but I mean, he just, he's, you know, he, well, I'm just willing to, I'll talk about anything oh, I'm yeah, doing. Okay. He's always like, I don't know what to talk about. So, <laughs> whatever. So, well, he, look, he looks good. I look bad because the last two weeks I did get mine done. <laughs> And, he did. and the, and the penalty is you have to buy the other person lunch. So I, I, I owe him two lunches. And if I don't get something written tonight, I'm going to owe him three lunches. <laughs> oh, my God. So I started, it was funny. I started writing it because I had all these ideas for it. And when I went up to San Francisco. I went to, to um, dinner with a buddy of mine, James. He's the, we, we have James Thomas. He's the one who was the head of research at that HFT firm. Mm, yeah. James is super, super bright guy. You know, he's like a master's in cognitive neuroscience i don't know what the hell but he's super bright guy and um 
he's one of the guys you always talk to and it's like he's always going to finish your sentence for you you know, you're like, can I just say it? I mean, I know you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I just say it just because it feels kind of awkward. I speak in half sentences all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I go, I go, so I, and, I, and he, he written some science fiction. His wife has actually won some awards. She won like the Nebula Award or the, oh, wow. Some, she, she's, 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 she's won some awards in, in fantasy and science fiction. And he, um, he himself, they met because they were both writers for a while. He was, he spent, he had been an aspiring writer. And I said, I said, you know, let me just run this by you this, this idea. I'm going to pitch this to you. And, and he's like, kind of gives a half smile to him. And I kind of pitched the whole thing to him. And he's like, you know, initially I thought I was going to be really bored by your idea. He's like, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> actually, I like it. That's actually good. <laughs> Which I thought was fun. I was like, well, that's good. At least I passed it passed with you. Cause, um, so anyway... The whole idea of one of the I, the reason I bring this bring this up is because I was thinking about how would this thing communicate or how how would it think about humans? I think it could communicate. It would know how to it could it could figure that out because it would have access to all the information on the internet, or, you know, pretty much, right? And maybe even more because it could probably learn how to hack through things, right? I'm gonna get too into it because I don't want to get if I do write a cool story. You don't want to give it away. Well, well I, I was thinking about writing like little pieces of it, and then I would just write this at least a piece by piece, you know? Nice. So I could write like a you know, a few sections of it. Um, so, <clears throat> but the, the, the AI would not know. It wouldn't really understand us. We, it would just see, it would see us in like a 2D way, right? It would hmm. see us in videos. It could, it, could, it could process a video, but it's just a stream of information. It could see with, but it's it's not in our world. It's in a different dimension, right? It's in the ether, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. On the ether. So it's like it's almost like how we would think of something that was in the fifth dimension or something. It would be like I, it's in this outer dimension. I have impressions of it all over the place, but it's not here. Do you do you are you interested in hearing about things that are very similar to this, like Re- Re- Revolution uh, was a was a TV show, um, two seasons. And that was it. Basically, extremely similar. It was like so, so they'd create they'd created nanobots, um, <clears throat> and the nanobots had basically like filled the whole of Earth to the point where it was like they it, they were completely within the air. And then the nanobots became its own consciousness, and it was grappling with those same kind of questions and wanted to understand what it was yeah, like to be because that was what so that's essentially what caused. Because I remember the the thing with Revolution. I watched like the first three episodes until I got bored with it, but. They shut down the grid, and it was sort of like the people trying to yeah. live without electricity or modern technology, and it was just weird. What they call like a clean apocalypse, right? You right. know, yeah. which was kind of which was sort of frustrating to watch. Um, my buddy Dan was on the first the oh, second nice. episode of that. Nice. Yeah, I was like, Saint and I watched. We're like, hey, there's Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, he was they, the, he they, was they were the grappling bad. with those questions, you know, because so it was like this kind of omn- omnipotent consciousness. That was trying to understand humans. Um, omniscient. Um, omniscient. Uh, omniscient is all knowing. Omnipotent is all powerful. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I get your drift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, it would totally. But the other thing is, it, it's different though because it can only live within the the construct of electronics, right? Or can it? I don't know. I I I, don't, I I mean, I have a lot of ideas of where it could go and how it could work. Um, <clears throat> I kind of have an idea of doing it from multiple perspectives, multiple people. Nice. You know, kind of uh, cryptonomican style or something like that. Uh, or maybe the wire. Is it going to have a narrator? I haven't really decided how. I, 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 there's a couple of different things. I, I wrote, a funny thing, I wrote like 
the first like a little segment for it. And and I and I said and I wrote it in longhand. I was on the plane ride back from San Francisco and I was just writing. I said, you know, I'm just gonna see. I haven't written anything in like 20 years. I'm gonna sit down and write and see how it sounds. And I was like, actually, sounds not too bad. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, it, I, I'm faking it. For, I think I can fake it, you know, pretty pretty well. <laughs> I mean, but writing a few a few pages is is obviously just part of it. You know, you have to have an overall structure that works and characters that work. I mean, there's a lot to it, but you know, it's like that's always been sort of my feeling in, in life. It's, you know, people are afraid to do things. You're like, well, I'm not trained in it. I don't have any expertise in it. Like nobody trained us as broadcasters and we did damn podcast. So did did I tell you I did a few, like, if, like sometime in a writing class in the UK? Mm-mm. I'll tell you. One of the things uh, that was cool there, one of the, the, there's all these different devices. And one of the devices is you, you can, you write the book in the first person, mm-hmm. but actually that person is a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's kind of cool right so you mm-hmm. so everything is through their eyes but they're lying to you mm. that's kind of a, a very strange device yeah it is strange i kind of one idea I had and i'm not sure if i would do that you know do you know the book world war z not the movie but the book uh, i haven't read the book no. so the way the book worked it was like a series of sort of interviews or it, it was like somebody had collected this information of what happened during the the uh, World War Z, during the zombie wars or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so they would interview somebody who was like a doctor and some family that was in Minnesota and some people who were in China and some people down in South Africa and things that happened. And it was all different. And just someone with the interview, someone with just the written description of what happened. And it was kind of a random assortment of things. But it was really interesting from that. Kind of like a documentary kind of thing? Yeah, almost like a documentary. But huh. I thought that would be kind of an interesting way to do it too. How did you get emotionally invested in that? How did they do that part? Like, oh, I liked it though. I read yeah. the. I mean, I, I have a hard time getting into books a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I just impatient or just I don't know what my problem is. But when they go off in the La La Land with all these long descriptions, I'm just like tuning out, you yeah. know. And so I'm like, I want to write. I would want it to be the way the kind of book I would read. Of course. Which means don't spend me two years, two pages talking about how this guy looks. <laughs> like, give me a break. Like, just tell me, you well, he's, yeah. blah, 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 a couple sentences, and then I just want to see him behave. And I, can, I have a picture of my brain. You want plot. You want movement. I don't care if he has a beard or doesn't have a beard or if he's 6'2 or 5'8. It doesn't matter. You know, usually that stuff is kind of irrelevant. You picture someone anyway, so it's kind of like you're wasting your breath a lot of times. And I think, you know, a lot of storytelling, you know, I feel like people these writers, they get so enamored with this idea of thinking of themselves as writing great literature, and they really try and... I don't dig into that stuff, and I just think it gets just—it's just tedious to read. So I don't know. I uh, like, you you I know like Joe the, Joe Stetch, uh, who's who's launched that uh, compelling, website. Compl- compelling science fiction. Yeah, you could get actually paid. You could get paid. Well, okay. So one thing I was actually thinking about if I wrote something, I guess he'll listen to the show, and you know, I imagine he'll ping me. Um, right. But I was thinking about saying. He could edit. I mean, he well, could at least yeah, be a... I, I would just, t- I'd be like, uh, maybe if I wrote, uh, got a chapter written or something, I'd send it to him and say, hey, check it out. What do you think? And if he says, this is horrible, <laughs> yeah. please stop. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's fine signal. But I mean, I don't need to make money from it. Right. Like, cause it's funny. I was talking to, um, uh, when I was talking to James in San Francisco about it and I said, so what? I said, so what are these, how much money do these, these authors that are friends of yours, friends of your wife, so they make? He's like, you know, very few of them actually can make a living purely by writing. It's only the really people at the very top, you know, can make 
or you know become incredibly rich but you know just their day-to-day authors don't necessarily make that much money yeah and i and and i which was fine i was telling phil i was like yeah the great thing is you and i we don't have to worry about this yeah (laughs) you know it's not so you can just do it because you want to do it you don't have to write something goes oh this will sell or this won't sell or this will publish like does not matter does not matter all only thing that matters is it's something that you think is is worth writing and that you would have fun that people would want to read but i suppose you are putting yourself out there on the line you're kind of putting your heart on the sleeve to be criticized sure you know by people well you know reviewers it's like i can't remember the guy's name he was what's the guy who's like amazon he works at amazon is really a wiggy wiggy oh completely his name he's a really good writer and he he had this really funny observation he said that on reddit you never get more than two-thirds of the people like anything like 66 percent of the upvotes is like the cap you know and um there was a great line actually i wrote it down because i thought it was so funny um it was a quote it was actually um because i was thinking about this i started um if i can get this if i can find this oh man if i can find this um one second sorry jason's opening up komodo edit here. here we go here we go here we go so I was thinking about, you know, World War Z was written by um, Max Brooks, and that's Mel Brooks' son. Hmm. You know, Mel Brooks, right? Just the World Part yeah, 1, yeah. Spaceballs. He goes, and this was like an Ask Me Anything, and, and it was AMAs on Reddit. And it says, hello, Mr. Brooks, do you have any advice for us, an aspiring writer? And I this is great. I'll just read this. Don't aspire, just write! Exclama- exclamation point. Take it in drafts and don't expect your first draft to be good. Just use it to write the end and spend the next drafts editing. Don't be afraid to self-publish. There is no shame in there is no shame anymore. Everyone is self-publishing nowadays, and I hear Amazon might actually help you do it. Last but not least, don't read reviews and don't Google yourself. As my friend Frank Darabont says, looking for love on the internet is like Janet Lee asking Norman Bates if he likes her body. <laughs> and you know who uh, Frank Darabont is? He's the guy who who was a creator and directed the first season of Walking Walking Dead. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, Kirkman was the one who created the comic book, but Darabont was the one, I think, who was a showrunner and directed and wrote some of the first seasons. So anyway, but um, anyway, I thought that was great. Looking for love on the internet, that line was just fantastic. That is that is true. Yeah. And what talking about Walking Dead, have you seen, like, The Fear of the Walking Dead? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. What, do, you think, do you like how it's progressing now? Yeah, you know. It's kind of, I've, I find yeah. that, I find, it's like, The Fear of the Walking Dead is like The Walking Dead with Sunshine. <laughs> right you know, it's it's like it's it's not as dark it's not as it's for some reason when it's sunny out it just things don't seem as bad <laughs> well but it's not as dark but it's only just beginning yeah right it's like it's, i mean fear, things will get bru- more brutal yeah, fear of the walking dead wasn't that bad at the beginning wasn't uh, quite so it, was, it wasn't as bad as it is now i mean it 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 progressively got darker as time went by. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was pretty brutal when that guy wakes up when when Rick wakes up in the, in hospital, the hospital and that's true. That was pretty grim. And then he's nobody's alive except for that one Morgan and his son. And then he's you know, is it all right to talk? Okay, um, spoiler alert. Like, do do not listen. No, nah, don't. Let's not let's not do that because people are gonna. There's people watching. They're gonna. It's gonna ruin it. And then no one's gonna listen to the rest of the show. Lee, if you want to talk about Walking Dead, put it at the very end. All right. Well, right. I'll, I'll just ask you after the show. Yeah, that's fine. I'm still interested to hear your. Whether, I, mean, whether I think we could talk. Let's, let's talk. Let's not talk any specifics, but at least at this point, I, I mean, I like it. Right. I enjoy it. It kind of gets my Walking Dead fix because I, I, I just, I just enjoy the show. Um, 
I, like I don't lead... think it's nearly as good as The Walking Dead itself, but... The lead blonde girl character's good. She's got the kind of strength, you know, you can see she's got some strength. The, the problem with her at Madison, what's her name? Madison, the problem yeah. with Madison is, in real life, you can't act like an ass to everybody. Because you, you part, part of being successful in life, a successful strategy is build, building allies. And if you're always bitchy to everybody and you, and you're, you know, people are like, screw you, right? No one's going to work with you. It's not a successful strategy. Very few people are actually like that. You know, they're not, mm. they don't, they, 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 they might do shitty things behind each other's back or ways, but a lot of times they work directly with, unless they have power over you and the can I mean, Elon Musk does a pretty good job of being difficult. I don't think so. How? I mean, he's, what do you mean? Well, you, you didn't read the Elon Musk biography? Mm, no, I haven't. Yeah. He's, he's a really, really difficult person. Very, very difficult. Yeah. Well, like he's a, basically the definite, like he's an asshole basically like. And uh, like to give you to give you one example, his um, he worked with his PA. You know, you know the one that they they based uh, the the Pepper Iron Man relationship on. Yeah. Like he worked with his PA for twelve years, and then as SpaceX grew and people and the you know new people were coming in and they were coming in for higher salaries, she basically said, "Can I have a pay rise?" And he said, "Well, I'll tell you what, go away for two weeks and I'll see how valuable you are." And then come back and then we'll discuss it then. So she went away for two weeks. And then f- when she came back, he said, I've, I've discovered I don't need you anymore. You're fired. <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, okay. And so that was like, they, she worked with him loyally, like, you know, not sleeping mm-hmm. for like 13 years. And he just axed her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's tough. But really here's, the tough. Thing. here's the thing. When people have power and money, you can get away with acting a certain way with people who don't. When you don't have any money or power, you have to you have to be willing to cooperate with people. Right, right. I think because right. people just like fuck you, man. Like I don't need your BS. You know that's the way the world works. If somebody acts like a jerk to you, you're like, and if they don't have any, if they don't need something from you, they're just I'm not going to deal with that person. In fact, I'm going to try and get them back. You know, it kind of made me wonder. Like, is that what it takes to to have huge innovation? To be that kind of person, to be like an absolutely just really mean person. Like, is that what it takes? Ooh. Well, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think, here's my, here's my thing on, on Elon Musk. First of all, it's told by one, a perspective. It's probably not always true. He probably has the capacity to act like an ass. Right. Right. I mean, we've seen stuff that Zuckerberg had written in emails that people who work with screwed people over. He has a, he would, had, definitely has the capacity to, to be a backstabbing ass. Yeah. We know that Steve Jobs and Bill exactly. Gates can that's, have... That's my point. But is that what it takes? Is that what it takes to drive humanity forward well, first of all, in these I'm saying steps? Is it doesn't mean they're doing it all the time. And no, it's just one... They're I mean, at their worst. Yeah. You know, if you look at all the worst things that you've ever done... Yeah. And someone said, and they and they and they got to write however they wanted and say, you know what, Justin did this and he did this, and you're like, whoa, hey, you know, like, wait, that wasn't that exactly go down There's like that way. There's some good things I did as well. Well, right? no, well, also that didn't quite go down like they said it went down, and then this other person did these other things first and whatever, and you know, you just it's just like a you never you ever watch one like we've talked about we watch this like, you know. Uh, uh, jury, uh, you know, courtroom style dramas, and each mm-hmm. for the first half of the story, and you're like, right, she's right. totally guilty. Just what the as hell? it comes, and to you're the like, end. oh wait, she's not guilty at all. What the thing? Like they just made it look a certain way. I mean, I've, you know, I've I've re- re- reading enough press about Uber now. 
I'm like, well, and I see some of the, re- I could see why people reading it in Hacker News has kind of turned against it. Oh, it's like the Death Star and they do shady well, that, stuff. That story just I just like, told you was validated by his ex-wife. But then again. It's his on, ex-wife. I know, his ex-wife on Cora, But only because he did the same thing with her and that, you know, but, but as a wife. He axed her? He basically, he, he basically, she went away on vacation uh, for, or she was, I don't know, overseas seeing parents or something. And then when she came back, he basically said, look, I, I just, you know, my life was better without you. So well, I think, I think a lot of relationships, <laughs> actually, I bet you a lot of marriages end. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, which is valid. Right. You know, people break up all the time because they're like, you know yeah. what, I'm just not happy with you. You know, you don't make me happy. You make me unhappy. I'm, I, and I think a lot of times it takes people to realize that when they're away. And they're well, like, oh my God, this person's in my life and I'm less stressed. I'm happier. I'm freer. What am I doing? Well, well, here's my question for you. If you deeply knew and it was deeply proven to you that Elon Musk was an ass, mm-hmm. would you feel the same way about what he's doing and him and all of your thoughts about, you know, what they're doing. Would it, would it change you in any way? Or would it be just like, doesn't matter? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like... He, gets, do, a, he do, gets a free pass, right? I'm, well, I don't know. I don't know if he gets a free pass. I mean, just like Steve Jobs. It's like, you know, on the one hand, he's kind of an ass. On the other hand, he gets great products. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, it's kind of expected. It's like Tony Soprano, you know? No, but I mean, if, like, you, if you get humanity to Mars, I mean, you probably do get a free if pass. If you have a handful of people who have hurt feelings about it, it's, you, prob- you probably yeah, do. Or if, if the worst thing, like, if the worst case is we have some hurt feelings and some bruised egos along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem is it takes v- a very deft personality to push forward aggressively without making enemies and making people feel good about it. You have to be really um, interpersonally um, savvy and sophisticated. I don't even know who if there's any examples of that. But you generally, people who really have large ambitions and are trying to achieve a lot um you know i mean there, there's a whole lot of personality characteristics that are required to do that you know you know the the, the certain having having vision having you know a certain size ego having a certain level of persistence and energy having a certain level of of you know, personal um competence and and you know all these kinds of things and expertise i mean all these things are required and then uh, to, to be, be successful then you're also hoping that they also have this thing which is pretty rare like you also have to be really good with interacting good. with people so everybody's mm-hmm. willing to come to your side without people getting their feelings hurt you know it's like it, that's about as rare as being six foot five. Oh, and right. about that you gotta be six foot five well you know not many people are six five you know well but also you've got to be really i mean in elon musk's case you've got to be very intelligent and very mm-hmm. you know as an engineer and as a yeah there's a lot of inventor. exceptional characteristics that are required to do that kind of stuff so yeah i mean because the, the, the reason why i was saying this was because the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because the whole math academy thing you were you know were hoping and i think it's a great goal that you know if we can get that into all the american schools maybe we'll be able to create some new elon musks in america but what i was wondering is Wow, is it the ass factor that's also really important in these people? You know, so like, so it's like in order to get make Math Academy make a change, it would require me being a jerk to a lot of people. No, but in, in order for that, in order for new Elon Musk to come about and do something like get humanity to Mars, oh. they are going to have to be, you know, an ass in one way or another. I don't think so. I just don't think. I think. I think that being an ass, and it just depends in different ways. I mean, in some cases it can just be uncompromising and people are just like upset because you're uncompromising it could be because 
you're just too direct. It could be because you are, you have no loyalty. I mean, there's different reasons that people get upset with other people. Um, you know, I mean, here's the thing. If you had someone for 12 years and you find out that you don't need them anymore, do you just pay them? Just to pay them? Mm. I mean, really, what do you do? If somebody's like, you know what, honestly, I, this is, this, I, 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 you know, it sounds like a jerky thing to do, but if you realize you don't need anyone, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna give you a pension for the rest of your life just because. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, you know, it, that that in and of itself is usually a bad thing for people. It's like, oh, well, I'm, so I'm guessing, here's what I mean, just guessing, I mean, without knowing, but what seems to me would happen would be that he'd got someone really good and she had created a network around herself who could make it possible for her to do her job. She'd almost made herself redundant. So therefore, he could just skip her and just talk to the people that she'd built as her team. And then that's why he didn't need her. You know? Or maybe she's just a personal assistant and enough of that stuff's automated and it's just not that time-consuming <coughs> and he didn't care. I don't know. You know? So, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, she, was his pro- she was his proxy. I mean, it's like in the, it's like in the Iron Man movie. Like, she, she went out for interviews for him. She, you know, every, everything went through her. Like, but, would, but so what if you didn't need her anymore? Yeah. You don't pay. I mean, when you're, when you're, uh, when you hired a designer, you don't have anything else designed. You just keep paying them as a designer. No, mm. you know, I mean, you don't pay someone if you don't need them, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess. So I don't know. I look, thing is, is that we will never really know the truth. We don't know. It's just, you know, say. the truth. You just, just hear say, say. it makes a better book. Yeah. It makes a better book. And it probably as a writer, you're thinking, no one's going to believe me. If I if I paint this person to be just this wonderful person and this great visionary and this great, it'll actually be be a better book if I really bring out his person. I accentuate the personality flaws and talk to people well, who have axes to grind because they'll be like, well, it's this flawed character and he has got all these personality deficits, but he's done all these great things because it just it, it's more interesting, right? But there, there may also be some other stuff going on because like I, I was intrigued by this, so I researched a little bit and saw her LinkedIn profile, and there is no mention of ever working. The SpaceX or any of the uh, or Elon Musk in any way, so for her to like completely just blank that out of her life after 12, 13 years dedication, or maybe she never did work there. Well, how do you mean? Well, if she did. So, so there's thirteen years of her life that are unaccounted for, or did no, she no, it's just it's, it just says you know doing charity stuff during that whole time. Maybe she, she did work for him. Oh, she no, she did. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because the guy said, I don't know, maybe she, uh, that's weird. No, 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 that's like, that's, like everyone knows about, she's famous, Mary Beth, ever, she's like the, like the Pepper character, like she would, there's a lot of stories about people basically going up to her and saying, what kind of mood is he in? Can I approach him now? Like she was completely Yeah, but personal assistance, I mean, I, you know, woman. like, I mean, a lot of people have personal assistance and right. personal assistants make your life easy and do stuff for you, but it's not like they're. No, I know, and, but I'm just saying, like, why would she wipe it off her LinkedIn profile if know. something, you know, they, they could be any, that's what I'm saying. They, anything could have happened. You don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So, yeah. but, and, and I'm not saying that he is this amazing person. I'm just saying you could see that there would be an incentive for a biographer, especially if he's taking criticism from other biographers. If, if it's just this hagiography of just this wonderful person People are like, that's bullshit, dude. You didn't even do well, your homework. He, so, he let the biographer in, and he does. And now he will not, you know, talk to the biographer yeah, anymore. Well, so. Yeah, well, it, it, the biographer. I mean, this stuff may be true. Not be true. He may One have way or really. Another. Yeah. He may. I mean, what if you? What if it was a, a biographer on you? And it's like, look, you know, I had a falling out with a handful of people. 
I'm not saying in every instance I was a perfect angel, but this person was kind of crappy and this person was pretty um, unproductive and this person this you know was just I didn't need them any and you, I didn't need to work with them anymore and now they all want an axe grind now I'm like oh, now I'm an ass. Great. Mm-hmm. We don't it could have been that. You could have been it could have been you. I mean, so I don't know. I'm just saying that I wouldn't uh, you know all these kind of things you have to kind of to the last extent. I don't know if they, I don't know, taking a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, that or whatever. But got it. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. But you know, on the Elon Musk watch. Yeah. <laughs> so we we landed the second. Yeah. Booster. The, the incredible which is pretty stuff cool. that's going on. I am super. Ho- I am hoping. This is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the press gets really down and negative about Model Three, and I'm hoping that between now and its launch, that those shares go down to like a hundred. And that I actually have some spare cash and I will buy as many as I can. <laughs> that is what I'm hoping. What's it at That would be you amazing. Do you ever watch the stock? It's around know? 200 now, I think. That's yeah. low. Really? Yeah. Look it up. Let's see. Justin is typing in... 220. That's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah, it's too low. Um, <laughs> we sold a chunk. I think we sold like half of ours or something back in June of 2014 to buy MV Code, to, to invest in MV Code Club. Mm, okay. And uh, that was at 234 then. So it really hasn't done much. So I was right in the short term. I said, you know, it's not going to go that much higher. So it's, it's overbought right now. So uh, ben I, told me that he sold some. Um, ben Reyes. Ben Reyes. Uh, and he sold it just at the point when they basically announced the Model 3 and they got their 200,000 orders. Uh-huh. So he kind of thought it was like just just a little bit, but a good time to to sell some, and it was really good. Yeah, obviously because that was you know a high price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, I still I believe in a long term for sure. If I had, oh, yeah. if I had some extra cash, I'd I'd put some money in it for sure. But me too. If yeah. I had extra cash, <laughs> <laughs> well, only I had some extra cash. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and they also the Hyperloop. They had a test run of that yeah. on the desert. Did you see that? I I did. What did they have a video of it? Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. I mean, it's like a fourteen second video of this like kind of like a sled on rails. Go. I think it went to like four hundred miles an hour. Or something That's like cool. That. I think ultimately, and when it's in an evacuated uh, evacuated tube, it would it goes six or seven hundred miles an hour. So this wasn't even in a vacuum. No, no. It was just using some kind of electromagnetic, you know propulsion system and yeah because when it's an evacuated tube then you don't have the air resistance are you looking it up is that what you're watching now no i'm, I'm looking at looking for other other links to bring other up topics. so <clears throat> yeah i mean elon musk could be an ass i don't really buy it i think he probably it's like look i know travis personally i like travis personally um he's gotten sort of treated pretty poorly in, in the press for his personality, they, you know, he's basically been called an ass and all these kind of things by different people. And he's a jerk or whatever. I, he has come through for me a number of times just to be a good guy. Yeah. Um, and is he aggressively pushing Uber forward and trying and not, you know, falling, you know, he's, he, he's an, he's an aggressive competitor, but um, I don't know anyone personally and of the original people will come back to me and go you know travis is a jerk and he i haven't heard any of that you know i really haven't 
you know, and he's under a lot of, he's been under a lot of stress. This is a huge, huge endeavor. And he's like, and all the lot, and he's right on the spotlight. So you can add, you can you could imagine that people under that kind of stress, that kind of pressure, would not always be at their best. You know, whenever we're stressed, we act we're kind of short with people. We have short temper. You know, we don't have a sense of humor. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would be any 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 nicer than him. And I and I said he has he's like he's he's been. Nice. And you know, let me just say that because, like, look, my shirt's invested. I don't work there. I could, I guess I could say anything I wanted, but I like Travis. You know, and he's, he, I owe him because he's come through for me. You know, obviously, you know, having been part of Uber was a nice ride and that's, that, you know, will hopefully end up working out for me personally. <laughs> but, you know, I just, but I can just say by hearing all the press, think the, you know that he'll get negative press or Uber getting press, and I know you think he truth. was a terrible person if you just listen to the press, right? Be like Jesus Christ, you know, or this stuff like everyone, you know, like you'll hear you'll hear these jerk offs on the in the comment section of Hacker News, like yeah, the people at Uber, it's like you know shady stuff and the shady, and like if you went to Uber and you met those people, like just thousands of probably really earnest, hardworking, smart people trying to make the best product possible. They are working their butts off to innovate and create like the shady. What are they even talking about? And it's like this, it's that, that's why it's like, you know, whenever you listen to like what the crowd is saying about stuff and they're not, when they don't have really very good information, it's just like, that's, that's why it's like, it's why it's easy to be a contrarian because people don't know what they're talking about. They really mm. don't, you know, you read the press, you read the stuff and you're like, I, you know, and they'll start speculating on stuff that I actually know about. And I'm like, they're, they're totally, they're completely wrong. And I'm not just talking about an opinion about people's personality. I'm like actually talking about numbers and this and that. And I'm like, they are completely wrong. Everyone's buying it. It's unbelievable. Well, for me, you know, this may, this gave me pause to think about like the kind of hero status that I have for Elon Musk. Um, and I, you know, after much thought on my part, I think uh, I don't, I don't care. Like what he's doing is incredible. Like if, you know, if you have to break a few eggs, yeah, like, Basically, what he's doing is incredible. As long as if it's just bruising egos or something like that, then you know. There's a few but, hurt feelings, a few bruised right. egos. Like you know what, you know, it's like I'd encourage him to be a nicer person, and I'd encourage him to be as nice as possible to everyone moving forward. Yeah, that's and to maybe turn over a new leaf if, if you're listening. So. I, yeah, I. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, I, at this point, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> buying. It. I think he's, you know, yeah. I don't know. So was that? So was there anything else you wanted to uh, go go through? Let's see. Let me look at my notes. This one, here. just just very quickly, um, did you see this one on LA Times? How a Lincoln High teacher gets all his students to pass AP Calculus. I did see that. Yeah, I haven't read that in a while. What, what was I, it? I, I, that's it. I just thought that you might be interested. I, what I was going to say is, did you reach out to him <laughs> no. to come and work it for you? No. no. <laughs> Math Academy. Well, here's the the... Yeah, no, I, I mean, I didn't, although that's, I guess, not a bad idea. <laughs> right, that's like, if, if, I mean, who could be better for you than someone like that who's already in the news for doing it? That'd be incredible bringing someone like that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, not that his name, I mean, you know, the news story will come and nobody's going to really remember, but if he's a great teacher, but that would be somebody to reach out to. Yeah. So, yeah, so you want to talk about the... Yeah, I'd love to hear how the Mount Academy's going. Yeah, so um, it's been about a month. So we had... We went through and uh, interviewed, um, okay, somebody back up here. The idea was we wanted to hire a, an instructor for the math academy. Start with fifth and sixth grades 
at two different schools, McKinley that I'm in and then another school um, in the district. And my, my, you know, my discussions with the superintendent, I said, look, I think we should try and see if we can get some of the PhD because we don't need some of the PhD for the first few years, but eventually we're going to be teaching classes that are beyond calculus. And you're, it's going to be rare to find anybody who has the mathematical uh, training to teach anything beyond that very easily. They can maybe barely teach multivariable calculus or linear algebra, but they're not really going to have the perspective to teach more, much more advanced stuff than that. And given the fact that our kids are going to finish calculus in middle school, they're going to have to have the ability to do that. And so we put a, you know, an advertisement up on this website, you know, job posting where we're mathematicians, where universities hire mathematicians. And we got, I don't know, 15 or more um, applications and went through and did some phone interviews and stuff. And so we got it down to uh, two guys locally. One guy uh, who's on the other side, an East Coast, who is a possibility as well. But two guys locally, um, and both have been tendered mathematicians. So they're both in their 40s. They both have, you know, one guy's a number theorist primarily, the other guy's a, a PDE guy, a partial differential equations guy, and more of a mathematical physicist. I mean, these guys are super, super bright. And I think I talked about this a little bit in the past show. Maybe a little bit. So one thing we had to do was give a demo lesson. They had to give a demo lesson in front of um, the principals at the couple schools that we're going to do and, and also in front of like some of the district staff and potentially even some of the teachers so they could be comfortable with like, hey, I'm letting my kids get pulled out from their class to go to this other class. Like, am I going to feel good about that? And the teachers need to feel good about it because if they don't, they're going to passively or actively fight against it. Right. You know, it's just how humans are, right? So um, we want everyone to feel like, look, this is going to be a really exciting thing. This is, you know, you're going to want this. So we did the two demo lessons on Friday. We did a back-to-back. We just went into one room and, you know, it was like 30 gate kids, fifth graders. And um, it went pretty well. The problem is they only had 30 minutes. So you, so those two guys taught one lesson each. Yes, back to back. Nice. With like okay. a little five minute you know, break. And we were all, you know, so we held the kids in there and then had us all as adults sitting in chairs in the back and everyone's kind of taking notes. And, and I sort of explained to them, I said, look, here's how you want to do it. You want to do like five minute, given that you only have 30 minutes, this is how your time is right. A five minute intro, like this is the topic. This yeah. is why it's cool. This behavior works. Maybe 10 minutes of what you'd call modeling of like, where I'm going to do some problems on the board and I'm gonna get input from you on how to solve it. I'm like, okay, if I do this and this and this, see how that works, okay, do the next one. Well, how do I, what's the next step? You know, that kind of thing. And then you break it out into the kids working in pairs or in small groups and on some challenge problems. It's the I do, we do, you do model, which is a really good model for in general, but particularly for kids. Because sitting there, active participation is, is way more productive than passive participation mm -hmm. and it's way more fun um so i you know i said neil thomas like this is the guy this is how you want to do this so haran went first Haran's the first guy haran went first and um he did cryptography encoding and decoding messages using kind of what's called like a i think a caesar, caesar cipher something like that. right and 
his was good. He um, he had good energy. He went up there. His only problem, was, I think the topic was a little too easy. Mm. Like he t- he went a little too slow okay. for the kids. I mean, I, I sat down and talked. I mean, afterwards, I t- we all went out to lunch. I said, uh, afterwards, sat down in a room. All us, you know, we sat there and talked to everything. And then I went to lunch with them and I kind of told them. And they, they knew right away, like, oh, I should have done X, Y, and Z. But his is a little too easy. But And he probably should have spent a little more time having the kids work together as with the modeling. Um, but... It was still good. Um, the second guy, Guillermo, he he unfortunately spent he didn't do any of the kids working together. Hmm. He only did he spent maybe half the time just kind of talking about it more of a lecture style, and then maybe ten fifteen minutes of kind of asking the kids. But you have thirty kids in there, so how many kids can actually participate? But the other thing is, he went way it was way too hard. <laughs> he was like. <laughs> doing continued fractions and it's like well we have a seven over 23 and then one over seven 23 is obviously 23 over seven and i don't think the kids know how to do that and then like well if we have we're doing like the square root of two as a continued fraction then over here and we have this one over square root of two minus one and then of course we'd multiply by the conjugate to get the thing like the kids the kids do not know algebra they don't even know how to multiply these are fifth graders who follow the normal curriculum they do not know how to multiply negative numbers Right. They do not know how to multiply. They don't know algebra. They do not know how to multiply uh, binomials. They certainly don't know how to multiply uh, radicals or conjugates. I mean, <laughs> none of that. So he totally overshot. He realized that I kind of like I got Garen. I don't think they know this. He's like, oh, okay, you know. So afterwards, he realized that he had overshot. He should have had a backup lesson. You know? Well, I told him, I say, he asked me, he's like, well, do they know what irrational numbers are? He'd email, he's like, do they know what a ra- an irrational number is? And I was like, because uh, it says they don't, it says according to the standards, guys, I, I emailed them links to the standards online so they can read the standards. Yeah. The standards are what kids should know in fifth grade, what kids should know in sixth grade, and it's like a few pages explaining all the topics they know. And he's like, it shows that they don't know, they don't learn about rational number, irrational numbers till eighth grade. And I was like, yeah, if it's, if it's not in the standards, assume that they don't know it. There yeah. might be a couple kids have heard about it. Maybe they're an older brother or sister. Maybe they watched that Khan Academy video with one of their parents and saw something, but generally nobody's going to know. And I said, but if it's, if you need them to understand what an irrational number is to give your lesson, I, and I said, it's not that complex of a, of a topic. You can explain what a, ra- a rational number is and just, and just explain it there and then build on that. And so I thought I'd given enough explanation. And I, I said, look, it's got to be in the, I do, we do, you do model and you need to do problems to start with easy and build and you know, whatever. So, but they just, he, they come from a university setting and it's just, it's lecture, you know, it's lecture the whole time and it's not quite the same thing. And, he, and one of the things of problems is they both sat in on my class a couple of times and I told them more than once, I said, look, do not use my kids as an example. What my kids know and what these kids are going to know are worlds apart. My kids are finishing up pre-calculus and they finished up, you know, what two thirds of an intro to proofs course. Right, these kids don't know what a variable is. <laughs> yeah. Right, but when you come to see, you come from seeing these kids do that, and you think there's some part of it, it just infects your thinking that they should kind of be able to do it. Right, right. And it's like, no, they they can't. They're not even remotely close to that. So, unfortunately, he really overshot. But when we sat in and talked about it afterwards, the uh, everyone agreed that like, yeah, these guys seem great, but they're going to need some coaching. Mm. They'll need some. They're going to need some coaching on how to how to work with kids this age, which makes sense, which is fair, right? Yeah, they're university course. professors. 
you know, I said, I said, I said, you guys, I said, you're like Formula One drivers and you're going to have to learn to drive NASCAR. <laughs> right. It's just, it's like, it's like the Tom Cruise movie, Days of Thunder, right? It's a different, it's a little different thing. It's not that you can't do it, but just don't understand that you're going to, you're going to walk in on day one, everything that you do when a Formula One car is going to work the same way. You have to adjust your teaching style and your strategy, things that are, you can get away with, with older kids, you can't get away with younger kids. And not only that, you know, at college, whether they like it or not, it doesn't matter and so, to some degree. I mean, you are evaluated, but it's like they're paying. It's part of their degree. They kind of have to do it. You know, at this cage, they don't really have to do this. They need to be bought in. You need to make it fun for them. Otherwise, yeah. they just, I mean, college kids will just fall asleep or just start looking, checking their phone. But sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, they'll start talking and screwing off and things yeah. can go off the rails. It's a very specific talent, yeah. you know, to to keep them in line yeah and so it's just a little so we went out to lunch afterwards sandy and 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 Karen Guillermo, we went out to lunch afterwards and they're really excited they both understood i'm like look we'll, look we're gonna get you coached up like it's just you just gotta so you're bringing them both in well we're hoping that we can bring uh Horan in full time and we'd like to bring Guillermo in part-time Guillermo um is a uh, he teaches at usc and he would only have tuesday and thursdays free so maybe he could teach two classes on Tuesday, Thursday, or something like that. You do the fifth grader pullouts or something. But Hren would would be um, would be uh, uh, you know full time. So um, and that would allow us to cover at least two, maybe three schools. But that's the hope. Now the whole thing right now is we're trying to deal with the uh, credentialing. Um, so um, sorry, I'm getting all this texting coming in, <laughs> but. So, but it really is dependent right now on, on 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 if they can get a credential, and we're we're going down this line of what's called an eminent credential. So they're eminent in their field, and therefore they can get a credential in this field. Got it. Right. It's a pretty hard bar bar to clear, but we're hoping that we can. Why do you need that? Well, otherwise you have to take like a year of classes before you can teach. Oh, oh, oh. To get oh. a credential, it's not. It's like getting a special visa into the states or something. This is like a big deal. Like to get this special pass. That's well, a lot more than a visa. I mean, it's like you take a year, year and a half of, of college classes and to get a teaching credential. Wow. I mean, it's not the quote, it's not like getting a master's degree, but it's not like you just show up and take classes for two or three weekends and take a test and you're going to credential. It's a number of classes over like a, it's 12 to 18 months. It's kind of pain in the butt. So what happens if they can't get the credentials they just have to well i think we have a backup plan another way to potentially get a credential but it would be it would involve them taking classes and stuff and we might have to get some kind of special it'll be pain if we can't i don't know okay and um <clears throat> any more uh, news on the software side of things yeah oh well let me talk about so my class so we're we have one more week next week will be like a review week and then i'm gonna give their final exam because that's their last week of this is your school. class yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking I might have him a two-day exam, one day for the free calculus and one day for the proofs. Okay. But I may not have enough time for that. I may have to just have him do, the, do it all in one class. So we're finishing that up. But what's kind of interesting is a friend of mine from my uh, soccer team, he's um, a documentarian. He did, um, he's been working on The Circus, which is a documentary that's following the uh, campaign trail yeah. on Showtime. Nice. And he did a 30 for 30, um, the ESPN yeah. um, documentary. Uh, he did the one on the um, on Pinochet when the World Cup was going to be hosted down in Chile or something. And anyway, I had been pitching it to him. I said, "Look, I think we're doing something really cool here." I said, "It might be worth you considering as a subject." And at first, he was like, "I'm not sure what wait, what's the story and this and that." And then I said, "Look, I'm going to have my kids next year 
shoot to pass the AP calculus exam as seventh graders. He's like, yeah, that'd be a good story. Because it's a, it's a very clear, you know, start, middle, finish, you know, and you could get to know the kids and the personalities and stuff. So he said he wants to do it. Is, is, is uh, Riley in the class? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, Colby and Riley, you would know Colby and Riley, but that's, I don't think you know any of the kids. So we would, um, so he's got, he said, he said that starting next, the first day of school next year, he'll come and he'll film and kind of get a sense of it. Now, so what, he, he just puts up his own capital to do that or does he get backers? I mean, how does that work? Well, it doesn't really, I don't know how that'll work yet, but I mean, at first it's just going out. He's like going how does he school. make a living while he's doing Well, that. he's, he's got a number of projects. I don't know. I don't know what all he's doing, but yeah. Um, at least in this sense, in this case, he would go out and shoot a couple of days of footage and a few interviews, some stuff in the class, and then kind of see how, see if there's something there. It'd be awesome. It'd be like that Spelling Bee documentary. Did you ever see that one? Mm-hmm. It was really, really well done. And so, you know, you, you kind of, you, you really, your heart's on the line for like, will this kid spell this word? Will this kid spell this word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should see that. What's it called? Oh, God, I can't remember right That's now. okay. I'll look it up later. Let's yeah, but it's a really good one. Yeah, it's really good. So that, that's kind of exciting. So if we go for the calculus uh, AP exam next year, then I, I might try, I want to try and get the kids kind of get a running start going into next year. So we do some stuff over the summer, you know, because that's kind of a big deal if we have a documentary going on us. So we really want to make sure we, that they're ready. Um, I don't want to burn them out or anything, but you know, might do That's some stuff. That's exciting, man. It's really cool. That would be really cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, and, and I think of taking the, re- the reason that we would do the, the calculus exam is that, you know, in, in some sense, the, you know, you might say, well, they could learn all this other stuff that's useful, but calculus really represents the pinnacle of high school math. And it would not seem that seventh graders should have in any way be able to do that and if you could have a bunch of them do it it would be you, you know you think you're having a bunch of high school kids pass calculus it's not just impressive. an outlier like it proves that it's not an outlier it, it, it yeah it proves it's outlier, but it's just so over the top people are going to be shocked i mean and, and it's something that people understand you know people know what they calculate. so if i go oh well, they're learning proof-based math stuff people are like i don't understand what that means if i say oh they got fours and fives in the ap calculus they'll be like holy crap i took that and got a two <laughs> you know like yeah. that was the hardest class i ever took in high school you know that kind of thing like right. that will win respect okay. um and it's useful in its own right you know i mean knowing calculus is is an important um you know set of skills or, or mathematical knowledge to do a lot of things but um but also it, it kind of frees us from having to the kids having to spending more time doing high school curriculum because it's kind of like you know we kind of put a cap on it so that's that's sort of our goal for next year. And the superintendent and the principals are all on board. They're really excited about it. I, you know, that's awesome. And then the software. So I'm going to spend a lot of the summer just writing code, getting really leveling up the software. Okay. Um, I want to. I want to. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to do. But one of the things I want to do is um, rather than having them do the proofs on paper, because the one thing I had them do is I would give them homework. Uh, you know, they would have to, they'd write the proofs out by hand. Yeah, so the, the, the kids would, uh, you know, just do all the proofs by hand. And, you know, I just have this collection of papers with handwriting I can barely read. And it's kind of a mess. And then I also discovered that, you know, when the kids get stuck on proofs, they're just stuck. They can't make any progress on it. And I thought, you know, why don't I do the proof? Proofs is that when you do a proof, there'll be the, you know, prove this, X, Y, you know, prove that blah, blah, blah is true or whatever. And then if they... If they need help, they can hit like, you know, hint one, 
it's this structure proof and it maybe can create like a template hmm. or hint to or hint one might be like here are some proofs similar to this you know or of this category you're doing proofs on parity or you're doing inductive proofs with infinite sums or something you know, and it would give you a couple examples. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. And would it use like, what is it, LaTeX or something? LaTeX, like yeah, yeah. LaTeX would, um, and they would use that to write up and they could have hints on that. So it would be like a series of hints. And then I could be more like kind of like Stack Overflow or Math Overflow where the kids could comment and, and kind of critique each other's proofs and stuff. Nice. And then you could go at the end of it, you could print out all your proofs at any point in time. You could print a PDF of all your proofs or have that's it on cool. the So um, I, that's what I think I'm going to build over the summer because I, okay. I want them to keep doing proofs, but I don't want to keep them collecting all these damn papers and trying to read through this questionable handwriting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I want the kids to be able to like not get stuck and be yeah. able to cl- kind of review each other's work and, and stuff. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's, That's awesome. So, um, yeah. Um, it was funny. I got an email this morning from Haran. He was thinking it cause we, you know, we spent uh, talking about kind of brainstorming about math Academy and Haran was like, you know, brainstorming about like, well, these are the math courses they would take in high school. And, you know, and I was like, well, okay, you're getting ahead of your, <laughs> like, we still got a few years to go before we really get to that point, or at least for your kids, right? Cause you're starting with fifth and sixth graders. But it was interesting though. He, he, he basically just listed what were the only like standard undergraduate math courses. And I haven't regularly replied to him. But basically one thing I'm gonna say is like, look, first of all, we want to do, we need to think about what we're trying to do and what we're trying to do is as follows we are we are trying to make it so that whether they go into math science or engineering one heavily uh, heavily mathematical uh major that they are exceptionally well prepared prepared meaning they're with top they're at the they were with the top people in the country so we do physics or computer science or robotics or electrical engineering or math or whatever you you're you're there now if all of his pure math courses that's not a lot of that stuff is not gonna be that useful if you're like oh, i want to be in aerospace engineering you're like then why am i taking those classes in topology and abstract algebra you know or if if you know you want to be a pure math but they're taking all these courses in differential equations and multivariable calculus you might be like i don't stuff is not as interesting to me so one thing i need to you know point out is like look we don't know if they're going to major in math. In fact, let's not assume that they are going to major in pure math. Let's assume that they're going to, there's a good chance that they might go into one of these fields. Mm. And so it means that half of the topic should really be applied and half should be pure. You know, so maybe we choose some probability and statistics and game theory um, and number theory and numerical methods and optimization and, you know, simulation and, you know, real analysis, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, the other thing is you're also trying to, it's a little bit of a sale. It's a little bit of a sales pitch. You're trying to get these kids excited about it. And their parents. And their parents. But yeah, but you know, primarily the kids have to go, this is really neat stuff. And if all their stuff is one narrow area and it turns out they, they like math, but you only showed them a part of it that they weren't as crazy about. That's not great. Yeah. So, but if you show them a range of topics and then they'll go, Oh, you know what? There's some topics that I like a lot more than others. And they don't get stuck doing an entire year on some topic. Yeah. Makes sense. So I'd rather say, Oh, you know, we did, we covered game theory for like six weeks, you know, like six to eight weeks on different topics, you know, across the board, because you're going to have to take the classes anyway, when they go to become, become an undergraduate, right? You don't skip straight to grad school. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give you, credit for an entire undergraduate degree and nor should we really be trying to because 
you know, why do that? But if every time they go into a class, like, oh, I'm going to take abstract algebra, I'm going to take differential equations, and you already know, like, half the stuff for the first quarter, and it's just review, and you and you actually know some of the second quarter stuff, it's going to be great, because you're like, oh, yeah, like, it, you're really, it's yeah. easy for you. Setting you up. You're setting you up. You're like, oh, like, where all the kids are like, oh, my God, what is this? I don't even, uh, what is a group, and how do you prove that something's, uh, you know, You can make money for doing all the kids' homework. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, whenever you come into a class and a lot of it is not the whole, you know, the whole thing is review and it's boring, but a lot of it, at least for the first couple months is really easy for you. It gets, it's kind of like hitting the ground running. You're, mm. you build a lot of confidence, you know, you're, you're, you really know what you're supposed to be doing and then the rest of it's easier. But a lot of times if you come in and it's like everything is new and it's shockingly different, different, sometimes you can be just like freak out. Like, I don't know what the heck's going on. Yep. And and especially if they, you think of going to like a really competitive school, you show up at Princeton or Caltech or wherever, and you're like in some honors class and you're in honors and it's an analysis or something. And you could be quickly like, I have no idea what's happening. And I talk to math majors all the time and they have the same experience. A lot of them, let them bail. Someone muscled through it, but they're just like, yeah, it was horrible. So, um, I think my, my perspective is like, it's not replicate the entire undergraduate curriculum let's take lots of pieces of it let's show them a broad range of topics let's develop their problem solving and proof skills and maybe even their abilities to do a little original research at some point um let's show them both pure and applied so they really understand so there's useful things that they could do even if they don't do pure math and they go and they go oh like i know enough about you know this topic to, to do cool stuff in hey i want to go into finance and guess what i had all this probability stuff and operations research kind of math I can use or I want to, I want to go in I want to study AI machine learning it's like well guess what all the statistics and probability and differential equations were useful or something but in the yes yeah, so, and the other thing I kept trying to tell them I was like look think of this as green field like we do not have to replicate not, you know what anyone else is doing you know a lot of things are being done and taught because that's how they've always been taught but they're gonna have to take this undergraduate degree anyway, so why just model exactly what they they've done? You're just taking the pragmatic approach. Yeah. It's, it's like you can reinvent the wheel. Let's reinvent the wheel, make a better wheel. <laughs> you know, nice way of putting it. You know, that's 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 my perspective on it. So we'll see. So that's actually, um, but you know, at the same time, this is this is something that will evolve over years. I mean, we really don't. We really at this point, I need to work with them on developing what we're going to do next year and getting their fifth and sixth graders up to speed. Cause what they want to do is get, they're like, how, how did you get your kids to where you're at? And I'm like, well, here's what I did. Here's what I recommend you do. Like, that's what we need to focus on first. Mm -hmm. It's cause one of them said something like, I think it was here at her and I was like, Oh, so would I like teach your kids? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you get to start with your own kids. <laughs> like, you don't get to take mine. I, I spent hard, some hard damn work getting these kids up to speed. I want to enjoy their, their skills and, you know, doing, you know, doing some stuff. Will you do some guest uh, appearances in his class? I don't know. I mean, you know, I could easily step in and kind of guest teach a class or I will probably sit in on some classes and, and kind of critique. It'd be cool them. if one of your kids could go in and teach. No, they're, they're not. <laughs> I mean, knowing how to do something is a big difference in teaching. And these kids are, they're a little kid. They, sixth, seventh graders cannot teach a class. That'd be funny though. They're not. funny to watch. Although they could, uh, they, they just don't have the, they're not articulate enough. Right. They don't have a presence. They, they just, there's a lot that goes into teaching a class beyond just knowing how to do something. So we're um, coming up to two hours 15. Well, 
Well, I've been going on. What? What? Do you, do you have anything you want to talk about? Well, uh, one thing. Just a, a, a closing the loop on one thing uh, we were speaking about last time was about how humans follow uh, robots into their peril. I saw another uh, article on Ars Technica: uh, death by GPS. Mm-hmm. Basically, and, and I'm smiling, but I shouldn't be smiling. Is that a woman drive off into a it's, lake? It's, it's just that there's, there's it's actually a, like a term that park rangers have, like where people will you know program into their GPS to go somewhere, and it'll take them through some kind of national park in a really dangerous way down a down a road that's you know barely even got tracks, mm-hmm. and take them take them down there for like miles, for like 20, 30, 40, 50 miles. Then all of a sudden they realize they're in the middle of nowhere. There's no good way out. And the map didn't know that it was like a closed road. And it's just, yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, well, people, you got to use, you can't get rid of your common sense. Right. So, well, actually, some, here's something that I, I thought you would find interesting is that the, the Dow of the Dow or how autonomous corporate, cor- the how the autonomous corporation is already here. Oh, this is the, um, oh, what's the name Ethereum? of that, that blockchain? Ethereum. Ethereum, that's the one, yeah. Ethereum. So there's no necessarily owner. The whole thing is like a crowd. It's like run the voting and everything happens through. It's like some some Ethereum blockchain. Their their shares are represented by how much Ethereum they've purchased, right? This is like a blog post that I wrote in 2009. Yeah, remind me a little bit about your whole yeah the venture matrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, just the idea of this company that was that was completely structured through peer to peer networking. Yeah. But the only piece that they don't have is they don't have like the actual create. It's they're just creating the company in that way. They haven't. It, it's, it's, not, clear, it's not the workflow. They're it's not unclear creating what they're going to do. Yeah, you know it's kind of funny. I was thinking of this. So I was thinking about that like sci-fi story, the AI. It's like, well, you, an AI could create a, its own corporation. Oh yeah, cool. Something like this, right? Take over the planet. Yeah. I mean, in that way, like, so think about that. You know, they could they could manage. You know, via, um, uh, a team of VA workers, the virtual admins. But not just that; they could mechanical mechanical Turk the shit out of everything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah that's what was fun. That's why I wanted. To, I was thinking about writing it. It was like it was so fun to brainstorm it. Yeah, you know all the things that might be possible it was kind of freaky when Phil and I were talking. I'm like, geez, yeah. you know, we could do this, we could do this, and how would that work? And wow, there's so many ways that it could bring society to its knees. Yeah, uh, or not. You know, it's interesting. It's it's not just the well. It 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 could take the viewpoint. To think it could take a completely symbiotic viewpoint and think, okay, I'm going to make mankind so successful because that's going to help me. Maybe. A lot of things that could happen. So interesting. Uh, so I'm probably going to owe Phil another lunch because <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get another <laughs> a thousand words tonight because I have to, among other things, write a grant proposal for Math Academy. Yeah, and that's due. Um, so I'm working with a grant writer for the district, and she found a great uh, potential grant that's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something like nice. that. Up to that, and she's like, "This is right up your alley." So I gotta, I gotta write that today, among some other things on my to do list, which I can't even remember now. Yeah. So Phil's gonna get another free lunch. <laughs> Lucky Phil. He said, "There's no such as a fr- no no such thing as a free lunch." Have someone bet he's gonna finish something when he doesn't have the time <laughs> to do it. That's a free lunch. Yep. All right, are we done? Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap. We're out.